Welcome to We're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. We're having a heat wave. McLean is the worst day ever over here. It's the worst day ever in Have you ever, City, Oregon. I, I'm not sure how many times this happened in my life. I, I can't think of any other time. It's hit 115 degrees in just regular, regular old say, Oregon huh? town. 115 degrees Can't relate, Jake. It's been a nice, cool, like, 80s to 90s-ish these past couple days here. You know, uh... Yeah, I don't know what's going on, man. It appears that I, I received another sunburn, this time on my face and forehead, uh, while working today, so... But, like, I, I haven't... I've not experienced temperatures this hot since the last time I was in Mexico, and... I mean, at least in Mexico, you get used to it after a while. Here, it's like, it's Oregon. It should not be 112 degrees out. So I tried to fry some eggs on the like sidewalk. summer is the worst, Jake. The absolute worst. The absolute worst. Um, as long Tell as it doesn't last more than a couple of days, I won't be too mad. I, so I tried to, tried to fry some eggs on the sidewalk because... Uh, I was told that the sidewalk temperatures would get up to a cooking levels. Uh, didn't uh, they didn't quite cook. Um, they got a little bit white, but okay, we were not up to frying levels. So I'm a little disappointed. I no, could have I, I could have tried I could have tried other sidewalks, other textures of concrete, but it was hot and I didn't want to die, so I went inside. I mean, I guess in hindsight, you did just toss some rags onto the sidewalk in front of the church. Yeah, true. So, like probably could. Well, that. I went to the church specifically um, because I knew that there was a sidewalk there that was always in the sun. But, I don't know. Maybe if I had uh, stayed out there longer, waited another hour. But, you know, I didn't really want to die of heat stroke or dehydration. So I went home to... Oh, by the way, McLean, you should feel honored. Because uh, the only reason I don't have the fan on right now is so that we don't have too terrible sounding audio for Westbrook's. That's that's the only reason why I don't have mine on either. I went out and bought a fan last week for like 30 bucks at Walmart, and it's a pretty decent fan. Also, I just got my internet and computer and new recording set up here at my house, and it might sound completely horrible. So, you have, hey. You have internet at your house? I know, I just had it installed, and it's super expensive, oh, because Comcast go. was like, we ain't coming near your place with a 10-foot pole, you country hick. We don't serve your kind around here. I honestly can't say I blame you. Which is weird, because Casey has Comcast, and he's only like a block away from me. But uh, I hung out with Casey the other day, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. wow. Apparently, Man, he's gone... has been happening for Jake. I know. We, I, I wish we recorded it. I, I guess 5 a.m. coffee's what we did. But um, he's gone down similar dietary rabbit holes as I have, which was, that was an interesting conversation. Interesting. Yeah. Um, um, apologies for any background noise here. Because my desk here is buried in my various hobbies, um, including um, the gun that I bought yesterday, mm -hmm. um, as well as this pile of vintage maps and road guides that I won in an eBay a bitter eBay auction war. Oh. Um, Mind telling me? Uh... How that went? It, it wasn't that bitter. Um, I just I just set a uh, set a bid on there. Someone outbid me, and I it, it got to this point where it was like I could bid more, but like I mean it's only a couple dollars more to bid and, and get the win, get a winning bid or the top bid. But like how how 
how much do I want to play that game before I end up paying too much? I, it was less than $40. It was like 35 bucks total. And I've got like 20 maps here and stuff. Um, what are they, uh, what are they I did up? have a... I did have a theory that they that the person that was trying to bid against me was Jake Westbrook, and um, so far, I, I'm still semi-convinced. But I mean, entirely possible. What are they maps of? There are vintage, just vintage road maps. Um, unfortunately, like most of, the, I mean, not unfortunately, but most of them are from like the East Coast or New England. Like a lot of these are just New England with special maps of cities. I mean, I I take that. I want to go to New England. Come on. I know, I know, I know. You'd be interested in that, but I was I was looking mostly for ones kind of in my area that I could kind of you not necessarily use, but I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of New Hampshire here, New Jersey, uh, a few Ohio ones. Um, Maine, 1961 highway map, uh, road map of Ohio. I, there's a Texas one in there. Uh, that's that's one of the main reasons I bid because I saw the Texas one. There's Eastern Maine Timberland Sportland Sportsman's Map, uh, New York and New Jersey Tour Guide Map, Northern New England, Illinois. Well, anyway, uh, so oh yeah, I won my there is this um, California Nevada Highway Map, but the crown jewel in here, what I find the most interesting, is this 1927. Mohawk Hobbs Grade and Service Guide of the National Dixie Highway from New York to Florida. Wish I was in the land of cotton. It look I don't think it's an actual map. It's it literally looks just like a uh, a guidebook kind of. Yeah. It's uh, quite the prize, quite the prize and uh I it's all mine. Mine all mine. Look at you. I'm just uh, fiddling with also, some recording levels because I'm picking up uh, picking up noise from the uh, air conditioning unit, apparently. I also ordered a modern-day, newly printed, up-to-date Rand McNally Idaho state map, as well as a modern-day, up-to-date, newly printed Rand McNally Alaska state map. Most Mostly because, I mean, one day I want to... Take, go on an epic road trip to Alaska but also I thought it would just be interesting to have because from what I can gather there is absolutely nothing in Alaska so I'd well, like yeah. to see what a road map would contain well in my eBay uh, pursuits I've uh, I've bought I've I've bid and bought myself a, uh, a straight razor from late 1800s um, gonna sharpen that thing up and start shaving like a Civil War vet that's my plan oh interesting yeah um, conversely I'm Pretty um, set on the idea of growing out the beard again. Only if you at some yeah. point shave the beard off and then leave, just leave the mustache. Because I think. Well, I mean, I should, I've given I it some mustache. thought, and now it's just. I haven't shaved in a couple days, and I have some scruff on there, so I'm like, what if I just, like, kept it going? And so we'll see how that goes. I don't know. Um. Of course, if I just wanted a map of some place with nobody or nothing in it, I could have just been satisfied with this Nevada map. Because Nevada has literally nothing in it. If it was not for Las Vegas, Nevada would be empty. Yeah, there's nothing in it. And honestly, it's too bad. Well, playing B-Ron is in town. B-Ron is in town. We have recently experienced a deluge of B-Ron at this, at this humble abode. 
which is one of the reasons why I ended up buying Yeah, there's no B-Ron on the cast. There is no B-Ron on the cast. Yes, that is unfortunate. And something that I wasn't pleased about, but I was expectant of. I was I was not surprised that that is, that is what happened. I know. Disappointment. I know, Jake. Disappointment. I Why know. is my microphone recording level so weird? Okay. Well, you know, Bronson and Sarah, they wanted to hit the hay, you know, get some rest and... Nah. Uh, I mean, the I, I asked Bronson, I'm like, so is the, is the plan for you guys to just... Are you guys just going to go home tonight and or go to your Airbnb and get some, get some shut-eye? Or do you think you could have uh, McLean and Gage over and possibly do some Westbros? And Bronson was... Fairly up on the idea of Westbrone, but I think I came down mostly to Sarah, wanted to get some sleep as well. And, um. Shame. Well, you can at least rec- you can record some uh, on the spot Westbros without me. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're just gonna be in town for another day. Here's Gage, and Gage is here. Oh, hey, good. Gage. Gage, Gage, you have not given us any updates. I don't think we even mentioned on Westbros your uh, law enforcement career. Gage, um. <laughs> Jake has pointed out the fact that you have not given a single update and that you have not informed us at all about your law enforcement career. Um, unfortunately... Get, get closer to the mic, please. I'm going to regret to inform you that uh, I've just received news from Gage Westbrook and your uh, regularly scheduled update will be postponed uh, indefinitely. This BS, man! I paid for a update! This is ridiculous. You. What kind of update I, service is this, dude? I'm it's sorry. a horrible update. I'm paying... I'm paying Gupdate Incorporated. Look, I paid for Gupdate Premium. Okay. $300 a month for this. Did you say $300 a month? It's an expensive service. Where, where uh, out of curiosity, where is that money going? Because I. Uh, you tell me. I'm well. I'm uh, just piggybacking uh, off McLean's Gupdate account, but I'm still mad. And, uh, <laughs> and Jake, I changed that. the password. How do you still have my Gupdate account? <laughs> Oh, uh, well, it's saved um, it on my phone, so unless, until I log out, I'm still in. ...whenever we feel the need to do so, if it means pushing on a more quality product, and we feel like this update just isn't ready for release yet. Okay, great. So, uh, how about you give us the update, Gage? Well, I can't, sorry. No update. Not yet. Not yet. Gage, how many minorities have you killed? I... How many minorities have you killed? Jake asks. Engage is leaving all of a sudden. No, no bits. He's, he's out. Door closed. Gage has a peculiar so, version of Westbrook's. So I'm assuming the answer might be a lot if he won't. Yeah, I think there's an issue there. McLean, uh, how many minorities has Gage killed? <laughs> give us, give me Gage's I, update for him. I couldn't tell. Uh, Gage's update. Gage's update. Uh, Gage graduated from his detention class. Which means that he can work as a, like a deputy, I think. Th- again, this is this is not. This is not. This is secondhand information. The, he could work as as like a sheriff in like a uh, in like a, a prison or like a jail, a jail. Yeah. So he's only qualified to take on the bad guys after they've been arrested. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way of putting it. So you know, some prison abuse, but like you can't go racial profile and someone in a traffic stop yet but he's on his way up well, right he's a 1948 like, map of central washington McLean, stay focused yeah yeah i'm sorry sorry i was distracted by my 1936 map of canada jake what am i are you jealous 
little bit. I figured you would be. I do need to get a Western Canada roadmap if I uh, intend to drive to Alaska one of these days. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. So the point is, Gage is a cop, or he's gonna become a cop soon, and uh, McLean is sinking his entire life savings into guns and maps. And, uh... Yeah. And I am uh, about to burst into Bronson's flames. Bronson's off-grid. And Bronson's, I don't know what Bronson's deal is. He's hiding something from me. I'm not sure what. But, but... This Central Canada map is like 80% or like 60% the United States. McLean, this is not the reason I brought you here today. Sorry, sorry. What is the I, reason that you brought us here today? Well, there's several reasons. There's several articles I have to present to you about several topics, but they're all sort of intertwined. It's all around the subject of food and eating and nutrition and all that sort of kind of stuff. This That's is an article. Kind of stuff. This is an article from The Atlantic by Nina Teichels entitled How Americans Got Red Meat Wrong. Early diets in the country were not as plant-based as you might think. The idea that red meat is a principal dietary culprit that's pervaded our national conversation for decades. We've been led to believe that we've strayed from a more perfect, less meat-filled past. Most prominently when Senator McGovern announced his Senate Committee's report called Dietary Goals at a press conference in 1977, he expressed a gloomy outlook about where the American diet was heading. Our diets have changed radically within the past 50 years, he explained, with great and harmful effects on our health. These were the killer diseases, said McGovern. The solution, he declared, was for Americans to return to the healthier, plant-based diet they once ate. <sighs> Doesn't that sound great, McLean? Doesn't the moral, ethical person inside you cheer when you hear that? It makes me sad, because it gives me less of an excuse to... <sighs> feign moral superiority over you filthy carnists. You see, McLean, our ancestors, they were pure beings who, uh, they knew the healthiest diet was mostly plants, uh, veg vegetables, yeah, vegetables, like, you can live off vegetables, so they, they did that, they weren't out there slaughtering animals for consumption. <sighs> the justification for this idea, that our ancestors lived mainly on fruits, vegetables, and grains, comes mainly from the USDA food disappearance data. The disappearance of food is an approximation of supply. Most of it's probably been eaten, but much is wasted too. Experts acknowledge that the disappearance numbers are rough estimates of consumption. The data from the early 1900s, which is what McGovern used, is known to be poor. Among other things, this data only accounted for the meat, dairy, and fresh foods that were shipped across state lines in those early years, so anything produced and eaten locally, like meat from a cow or eggs from a chicken, would not have been included. And since farmers made up more than a quarter of all workers during that time, local foods must have amounted to quite a lot. Experts agree that this early availability data is not adequate for serious use, yet they cite it anyway because the mother data is available. And for the years before 1900, there's no scientific data at all. And so, in the absence of scientific data, history can provide a picture of food consumption in the late 18th to 19th century America. You see, Early American settlers were indifferent farmers, according to many accounts. They were fairly lazy in their efforts at both animal husbandry and agriculture, with the grain fields, the meadows, the forests, the cattle, etc., treated with equal carelessness, as one 18th century Swedish visitor described, and there was little point in farming since meat was so readily available. Hold on a second. 
got a parched throat. Dehydration from the heat, my friend. Stublitz recorded the extraordinary abundance of wild turkeys, ducks, grouse, pheasants, and more. Migrating flocks of birds would darken the skies for days. The tasty Eskimo curlew was apparently so fat that it would burst upon falling to the earth, covering the ground with a sort of fatty meat paste. New Englanders called this now distinct species the doughbird. Just a sack of flesh. In the woods, Man, there were we need bears. Doughbirds running around. There were bears, prized for their fat, raccoons, bobolinks, opossums, hares, and virtual thickets of deer, so much so that the colonists didn't bother hunting elk, moose, or bison, since hauling and conserving so much meat was considered too great an effort. A European traveler describing his visit to a southern plantation noted that the food included beef, veal, mutton, venison, turkeys, and geese, but he does not mention a single vegetable. Never was Infants, sure what mutton meant. Mutton? Uh, oh, I'm blanking. Isn't it just a turkey leg, or is it? Wait. No, it's it's lamb, isn't it? It's yeah. That sounds vaguely correct, but I could not tell you. I need to eat more mutton then. Infants were fed beef before their teeth had grown in. The English novelist Anthony Trollope reported during a trip to the U.S. in 1861 that Americans ate twice as much beef as the Englishmen. Charles Dickens, when he visited, wrote that no breakfast was breakfast without a T-bone steak. Apparently, starting the day on puffed wheat and low-fat milk, our breakfast of champions, would not have been considered adequate even for a servant. You would not even give that food to slaves. Which reminds me, Cyril is gay. Cyril has become gay. And you may think that is a joke, but this is true because walking through the, uh, walking through the aisles of Walmart in my search for, uh, a uh, sugar substitute, I found myself some gay cereal. Literally, it's gay cereal. Look, Kellogg's gay with cereal, the rainbow yes. logo puts it putting out together with pride heart-shaped cereal and it's got the gay flag and it's got all of the Kellogg's mascots cheering around a bowl of rainbow colored cereal. What boys. is happening? What we is happening? <sighs> we, Who we was asking for this? Utopia. Humanity is at its peak. What in the world is we happening right now? What the Babylonians couldn't do. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I mean... I, in full disclosure, I did see an article about that, uh, like a couple weeks back, but I didn't actually expect to see it in the wild. I, I mean, I, I still haven't, but I didn't expect I saw it. I knew to see it in the wild. I saw it in the wild, and, like, I thought... I thought this was a joke. I thought... I, th I, I don't know what I thought. I'm just so confused. They, it's like a, they're putting it's a, chemicals in the wheat that's turning the friggin' cereal gay! <laughs> it's like a Babylon B article sprung to life. I know, it's ridiculous. I mean, like, cereal was already gay anyway, don't get me wrong. If you walked up to a cowboy in the 1800s and said, Yeah, I, I, eat, a, I eat sugary sugary mush for breakfast, he'd have slapped you across the face. You wouldn't quite understand, and then you'd show him your ball of lucky charms, and then... And then he'd go, ah, I see! You're a woman! You I mean, no, you wouldn't even give that to the women. I don't know who you'd give that to. Anyway. For the first 250 years of American history, even the poor in the United States could afford meat or fish for every meal. The fact that the workers had so much access to meat was precisely why observers regarded the diet of the New World to be superior to that of the old. 
I hold a family in a... <clears throat> sorry. I hold a family to be in a desperate way when the mother can see the bottom of the pork barrel, says a frontier housewife in James Fenimore Cooper's novel The Chain Mirror. In the book, Putting Meat on the American Table, researcher Roger Horowitz scours the literature for data on how much meat Americans actually ate. A survey of 8,000 urban Americans in 1909 showed that the poorest among them ate 136 pounds a year, and the wealthiest more than 200 pounds. A food budget published in the New York Tribune in 1851 allots two pounds of meat per day for a family of five. Even slaves at the turn of the 18th century were allocated an average of 150 pounds of meat a year. As Horowitz concludes, these sources give us confidence in suggesting an average annual consumption of 150 to 200 pounds of meat per person in the 19th century. About 175 pounds of meat per person per year, compared to the roughly 100 pounds of meat per year an average adult eats today. And of that 100 pounds of meat, half of it is only poultry, chicken and turkey. Whereas, until the mid-20th century, chicken was considered a meat that was only on the menu for special occasions. Chickens were valued mainly for their eggs. Yet, the drop in red meat consumption is the exact opposite of the picture we get from public authorities. Red meat, by the way, is just like beef. Basically, meat that's not chicken is red meat. So yeah, beef, pork. I guess I think yeah. lamb would technically count as red meat. Anyway. A recent USDA report says our consumption of meat is at a record high, and this impression is repeated in the media. It implies that our health problems are associated with the rise in meat consumption. But these analyses are misleading because they lump together red meat and chicken into one category to show the growth of meat eating overall, when it's only the chicken consumption that's gone up since these 1970s. The Wiederland's picture is clearly we eat far less red meat today than did our forefathers. Well, yeah, what happened was they told us in the 70s, red meat's bad for you, cholesterol, you're gonna, you, you are literally going to die if you eat steak, so we stopped eating that and ate chicken instead. Ah, oh, it's a sad life, McLean. Chicken is... For sure. Chicken is like filler meat. Chicken is meat you get when you can't find anything else. Meanwhile... Chicken is filler meat? Yeah. It's like... That's a hot take I did not expect to hear. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. It has yeah. no... It has <laughs> it nowhere near... McLean, chicken has nowhere near the nutrients you can get from beef. Like, it just pales in comparison. The only reason chicken... chicken is good. The reason why chicken... Yeah, well, okay, but the only reason why chicken is so widespread these days and so commonly consumed is because of the health scare of the 70s. Like, chicken became the one meat that it was kind of okay to eat, as long as, you know, you're skinless. Because uh, that's, you know, the fat on there, but... Anyway. Beef is so much better than chicken, McLean. I'll take a steak over a piece of chicken any day, any day of the week. Meanwhile... Also contrary to our common impression, early Americans ate very few vegetables. Leafy greens had short growing seasons and were ultimately considered not worth the effort. And before a supermarket changed imported kiwis from Australia and avocados from Israel, a regular supply of fruits and vegetables was hardly possible in America outside the growing season. You really only... I realized this the other day. Back in the day, back in the pioneer days, you would only eat carbs in, during the harvest season. Well, around like Thanksgiving, Christmas, like you know, when you would pack on some pounds over the winter. Up for the winter. Yeah, I mean, like I think that's the thing. Like the carb foods were were in season, right before winter. Winter comes, you live on meat, you lose that weight because you're burning it for energy during. The, yeah, anyway. And now, of course, you can, you can get those foods year round. Nobody, yeah, 
year it's Thanksgiving all year now, apparently. Even in the warmer months, fruit and salad were avoided for fear of cholera. Only with the Civil War did the canning industry flourish, and then only for a handful of vegetables, the most common of which were sweet corn, tomatoes, and peas. So, it would be incorrect to describe Americans as great eaters of either fruits or vegetables, wrote historians Waverly Root and Richard de Rochemont. Although, a vegetarian movement did establish itself in the U.S. by 1870, the general mistrust of these fresh foods, which spoiled so easily and could carry disease, did not dissipate until after World War I with the advent of the home refrigerator. By these accounts, for the first 250 years of American history, the entire nation would have earned a failing grade according to our modern mainstream nutritional advice. During all this time, however, heart disease was almost non-existent. Reliable data from death certificates is not available, but other sources of information make a persuasive case against the widespread appearance of the disease before the early 1900s. Austin Flint, the most authoritative expert on heart disease in the U.S., scoured the country for reports of heart, heart abnormalities in the mid-1800s and reported he found very few cases. So did William Osler, one of the founding professors at Johns Hopkins, who reported any, any cases of heart disease during the 1870s and 80s when working at Montreal General Hospital. The first clinical description of coronary thrombosis came in 1912, and an authoritative textbook in 1915, Diseases of the Arteries, makes no mention at all cor coronary thrombosis. On the eve of World War I, the young Paul Dudley White, who later became President Eisenhower's doctor, wrote that of the 700 male patients at Mass General Hospital, only four reported chest pain, even though there were plenty of them over 60 years old. About one-fifth of the U.S. population was over 50 in 1900. This number refutes the familiar argument that people formerly didn't live long enough for heart disease to emerge as a problem. Simply put, there were 10 millions of Americans at the time at prime age for having a heart attack, but heart attacks were not a problem. Ironically, perhaps tellingly, the heart disease epidemic began after a period of reduced meat-eating. The publication of The Jungle, Upton Sinclair, Upton Sinclair's fictionalized expose of the meatpacking industry, caused meat sales in the United States to fall by half in 1906, and they did not revive for another 20 years. So was that commie Upton Sinclair. Who could have guessed? Yeah, I always thought that book was kind of, uh, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, a guy fell in a meat grinder and he just ground them up and they served the meat to people. I don't think, I don't think that happened. I think you're a communist. In other words, meat eating went down just before coronary disease took off. Fat intake rose during those years from 1909 to 1961, but this 12% increase was not a rise in animal fat. It was an increase in the supply of vegetable oils, which had recently been That's invented. That's right, baby. Gotta get that canola, you know man. Them, uh, Crisco is so good for you. One of the one of the things about I keep hearing when I'm watching these vegan cringe compilations <laughs> is high fat or no high carb low fat diet, which is insane to me. And they wonder why they feel so bad and their health is so bad, and they're getting into it's because they're detoxing, Jake. It's a, a health crisis. We'll get to that. Crisis. We'll get to that. Nevertheless. Well, the idea that hurt. Americans get to it fast, man. Get to it fast. The idea that Americans once ate little meat and mostly plants, espoused by the government, continues to endure. And Americans have for decades been instructed to go back to this quote healthier diet that seems never to have existed. Okay, meat eating was very common. What was also common was um, eating organ meats. We don't do that today. We don't eat beef tongue. We don't eat liver. That's just not a thing we do anymore. 
Um, and what's funny is I think it went down. I think it coincided with uh, yeah the turn of the century, like 1920. But I think by the time the 1930s rolled around, nobody was really eating organ meats anymore except poor people. I mean, it was still a thing. It was less common. More common than today, but... This is another article from The Atlantic. The World War II campaign to bring organ meats to the dinner table. As pork and beef were shipped overseas to feed soldiers, the government stepped in. In January 1943, just over a year into the U.S. involvement in World War II, former President Herbert Hoover took to the pages of the now-defunct magazine What's New in Foods and Nutrition, not the kids' title, to deliver a part pep talk, part warning about the state of the American meat supply. We should not wait for official rationing to begin to conserve, he said. The same spirit in the household that we had in the last war can solve this problem. He knew of what he spoke. Two months later, meat would join butter and cheese as a rationed food item, as growing quantities of beef and pork were shipped overseas to feed American and allied troops. But meat rationing represented a harsh blow to the American diet, which considered it a staple. As Lizzie Collingham wrote in her book The Taste of War, red meat, preferably beef, was highly valued as a prime source of energy, especially for the working man, and its presence on the plate helped to define the food as a proper meal. Aw oh man, you're gonna kill yourself with all that saturated fat. You idiots, anyway. As a result, the black market was most active in the meat trade. During the war, a large number of small slaughterhouses sprang up, which traded locally and were able to evade the inspectors from the Office of Price Administration. They would buy livestock for slaughter above the ceiling price and then sell it on to black market distributors. Butchers would sell favorite customers high-quality steaks in the guise of pre-ground hamburger, which used up fewer ration points. I remember McLean, there were a lot of Jack Benny episodes that made jokes about this, and I just did not understand them at the time. I remember specifically... Ah, I think it was a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, it was a Thanksgiving episode where they're taking a tour of the meat freezer and everyone's ooing and aahing at uh, a five-rib roast. And I think somebody stole the, um... Did I lose you? No, I'm I'm here. I'm here. You know, you remember this Jack Benny episode, right? Where they... Yeah, yeah. Hey, Sam, lock the doors. All right. Hey, Frank. Yeah, I can't really relate. Can't really relate. No, you remember that episode? Come on, man. I do. No, but I, I can't relate to that situation. It's not really a thing. Well, I mean, have you tried to find organ meats in stores? I was in uh, Winco. Um, Winco no, recently. I'm talking ration points. Oh, yeah, ration points. Well, I mean, would you consider uh, only being allowed to buy one pack of toilet paper? That was rationing last year, wasn't it? Technically? Ah, you're right, you're right. You got me there. It wasn't quite so formalized, but informal rationing. Um... I was at Winco last night, uh, and and they have they have all kinds of organ meats. You just gotta know where to look. I might buy some beef tongue. Might might buy some beef. How do you how do you eat beef tongue, Jake? I don't know yet. I'm gonna find out. In 1940, at the behest of the Department of Defense, the National Research Council assembled a team of the country's leading scientists to create the Committee on Food Habits. Its mission was to launch an in-depth study of Americans' eating habits and change them in ways that would benefit the war effort. 
They needed to devise a way to convince Americans to abandon their steaks, pork chops, and other familiar cuts in favor of the meats that the soldiers wouldn't eat, the hearts, livers, and other organs that remained plentiful stateside. Committee members had their work cut out for them. Organ meats at the time were largely shunned by all but the poorest Americans, considered a marker of low social status or a rural, unsophisticated upbringing. And of all the social taboos, those related to food are among the most difficult to dispel. Up until that point, food-related war propaganda had largely pinned its messages to the ideas of patriotism, encouraging the public to use vegetables from the Victory Gardens, Camp of Victory, blah blah blah. A better method, they believed, was to focus on barriers over incentives. Don't ask what would convince you to eat organ meats, ask why weren't you eating them in the first place? One of the major reasons they soon found through their research was Oregon's unfamiliarity. People balked at the idea of serving something without knowing its taste or even how best to prepare it. In response, the committee urged the government to produce materials that couch the new meats in more comfortable terms. One of the, one of the most interesting things they found was, you, you can't go to people and say, look, eat beef brains every day, said Brian Wozniak, professor of consumer behavior. The first thing they did was say, Let's have a much smaller ask. Let's ask people to occasionally try an organ meat. Insert organ meat into your meal planning. What was very clever about the way they did this was they said, just try it for variety. And thus, variety meats were born. I remember back in like seventh grade, somebody offered to, somebody was at, at the school for some reason, offering uh, kids to give them a sample of beef brains, cow brains. And I thought that was so disgusting at the time because, you know, my my suburban lower middle class upbringing. Oh. If only you knew, Jason. That's not if a food that human beings eat. Slap yourself. Well, you know, it's just, it's weird how like in a few generations you can just completely forget that you that we used to eat a thing. Like there's so many old time radio shows where like they'll just mention something they're eating like it's totally normal. like. What did he just say? I believe it was. I um, can't imagine. I mean, an episode the, of Archie Andrews where he orders a, a pig's feet at a restaurant, and I thought they were making a joke. I thought yeah. it was funny. Like, <laughs> that's a weird thing. Like, who eats pickled pig's feet? Like, pig's feet was a common thing eaten back in the day. Yeah, pickles, big pickled pig's feet. I you just assume they're gross because you're hearing the words brain, liver, and kidneys. They're probably really good. Phil Harris where. Frank, you really mispronounced pickles, pig, pickled pig's feet. Yeah. Can't blame him. No, I can't imagine, like, how nutritious that organ... Oh, no, those are, like, that's how, that's why, that's why the Eskimos were so healthy, because they would eat those organ meats. You can get, if people think you get all these vitamins and nutrients from vegetables, nah, it's all coming from organ meats. Like, that is the biggest source of those you can possibly get, is organ meats. And thus variety meats were born. Butchers, who already sold organ meats for fewer ration points of premium cuts, were encouraged to adopt the new term with their customers. So were reporters with their readers. Variety meats, they're good, abundant, highly nutritious, said an article in the January 1943 issue of Life magazine. Community groups held variety cooking classes. Publishers released cookbooks instructing people how to make hearts filled with stuffing and chicken and how to prepare kidneys for meat and vegetables too. Slowly, organs became accepted into the mainstream diet, and as their ubiquity grew, their stigma began to fade. Social norms to eat organ meats were dramatically influenced by the mere presence of these foods on the family dinner table. The effect, though, lasted barely longer than the war itself. In part, the timing was to blame, uh, blah blah blah, the propaganda was to blame too. They pushed organ meats in literature, but did not represent them visually. It still featured steaks, roasts, and chops because people like looking at those. So they were really sending two messages. Steaks organ meats, are nice. Yeah. 
So arguments just did not uh, last very long. I was gonna say, um, I might make some liver. I, I was looking at a uh, cookbook from the 30s. I was flipping through the meat section. There's so many like uh, recipes for meat, meat cuts you would never even think of serving today. It's like, but it was common back then to just serve up liver. I don't know. I don't know where you can get. I mean, I, I think liver think was. Marge. I think livers. Liver, well, Winko, I already said this. I think they have it with the frozen oh, hamburgers. Yeah, right. But, um, uh. I think liver was the last one to kind of hold on. Like, people were still serving that pretty regularly, even after they stopped serving stuff like kidneys and pig's feet. I'll, be, I'll bet cow tongue is really good. I bet. There's a oxtail. Originally named after garbage, or literally the part of the animal that would fall off when butchered, the awful cuts, awful, the awful cuts of meat have hands down the worst PR in history. But don't be fooled by the name. It can be ridiculously delicious when prepared properly as a downright decadent treat. If you didn't grow up eating it, follow the century level guide and you'll come to see awful isn't awful at all. I'm just going to run through a list of some of these foods and then we can move on. Sweetbreads. For first-time awful eaters, start here. Despite their name, sweetbreads bear no resemblance to doughy pastry. Often taken from the thymus or pancreas of veal or lamb, these puppies are generally soaked in salt water, poached in milk, and then grilled or breaded and fried. Try a fried syrup of brown butter caper sauce or anything rich and acidic. The flavor's neutral. You'll think you're having classy KFC. So, yeah, that's just a cut of lamb from the... This lamb pancreas. Interesting. Uh, but the uh, bone marrow is that stuff you learned about in biology 101 that has magical blood cell producing powers, but it's also like butter met foie gras. Man's enjoyment of bone marrow dates back to early human scavengers. Oh, by the way, when people say like, oh, yeah, if you if you are on a carnivore diet, how how will you get, uh, what what do you say, vitamin C, I think? Like, you can't get vitamin C, you get bone marrow. That's how you get it. Literally, every, every vitamin- some Rocky Mountain oysters. Every vitamin you can get from vegetables, you can get from animals, because animals eat vegetables, so you just gotta eat the animals. It's easier, and it tastes better. Most bone marrow we consume is from veal, because it's particularly mild and delicate. Uh, guaranteed to highlight any meal. Tongue! See it in a deli case, and you'll know what it is right away. A cow tongue is huge. Yeah, I was so I was in Winco looking at the cow tongues. They they package them like two to a package, and they're in, they're they're frozen because you you assume you know I don't think the turnover rate's too high, so they just go ahead and freeze those. But those cow tongues, man, they're huge. Like I didn't recognize at first. I looked at the label. Oh, that's a tongue. Seeing an entire cow's mouth tongue. muscle is daunting, but the good news is it's almost never served in full form. After it's boiled and braised for hours, tongue is usually sliced for sandwiches or shredded for the most incredible tacos. Blood! Eating blood might sound a bit creepy at first. I believe it's the uh, Maasai warriors in the African plains they were studying in the 70s. They lived on a diet of meat, milk, and blood, and they were like these incredibly healthy, gigantic dudes. Between this natural... What? Not human blood, but that'll be weird. <laughs> Between its natural thickening qualities and sweet, delicate mineral flavors, blood lends itself to the kitchen. It's most commonly used in black pudding and blood sausages, such as Spanish mochila or French boudin noir. The form is usually made with oats and served as a staple and prized component of traditional Irish and English breakfast. And the latter tastes similar to a regular pork sausage, but often has more iron. Um, I've heard about the Irish eating uh, blood sausage before. Yeah. And liver. 
Liver is perhaps the most popular form of offal. Foie gras, literally translated to fat liver, is just one of the popular liver dishes that can be found everywhere, from your local Irish pub to a three Michelin star restaurant. Liver is prized for its ultra creamy and buttery texture, and varies drastically depending on what animal it comes from. If you do the liver and have the budget, splurge on foie gras liver from an overfed duck or goose. Also, you can buy a you can buy a duck for like twenty bucks at Winco, which is a little spendy, but I kind of want to eat some duck. If not, opt for a chicken liver, either duck chopped is up good. or. In a moose? I know, duck is good, but I haven't had it since I had it in some Chinese food a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Then feel free to move up to calf liver, usually served with lots of onions and bacon. Um, tripe. The first time I ever saw tripe, I was living in a homestay in Italy. It was defrosting in the sink, and I thought, what's fuzzy calamari doing here? For many, tripe is the hardest thing to mentally swallow. Honeycomb shaped with a slightly putrid smell, it's certainly different. But a great chef will take care to meticulously clean and slowly cook their tripe, popular in many Asian cuisines. A first time is best choice is tripa alla romana, which is tripe that's slowly cooked and then braised in tomato sauce. You've heard of chicken fingers? Why not try the feet? Alright, maybe they're a little different, but feet are just as tasty, if not tastier. Chicken feet are prized to many Asian cooking preparations, often served whole and in the orange sauce. I don't need that sugar, get out of here. Pig's feet, there we go. Pig's feet, or trotters, are wonderful in stocks as they lend their natural gelatin to thicken any sauce or broth they may make. Newbies should try trotter croquettes. The feet are usually braised and then the meat is picked off the bone and combined with all that good croquette, 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 I don't know, filling, before being fried. Uh, pig ears is apparently a thing. Boiled, pickled, or fried, they have a neutral flavor and a slightly gelatinous texture. Oh yeah, I remember Mike Nelson talking about eating boiled pig's face once. You just serve it up cold, slice it up, and put it on a sandwich. Just pig face. Interesting. Pig face. Alright, McLean. You know, my full and complete permission, I have stuff to present about this, but I've been talking for a while. You may now go off on veganism. Put me on the spot here, man. I'm, well, I'm just assuming you had some things to say on the subject. Vegans are an interesting group of people because, on the surface, they're well. I mean, you get some of the people that that get into veganism for health or dietary reasons, and I I don't know much about that. I don't know like how how much you need to go into veganism for health reasons. Mostly it boils down to personal preference about where you get your food, where you source your food from. Veganism is a thinly veiled excuse to pretend you're better than other people. Hello. Jake Westbrook. There you are. Lost you for a second. You just said you don't, you don't know much about the health. So, okay. There, there are some people that say that they, they get into veganism so for back in the day, reasons. About 10 years ago. Okay. I have the inside scoop. About 10 years ago, oh, uh, I mean, yeah, very recently, I think starting around 2010, it was very popular. It was sort of along with it was along with the release of a bunch of documentaries, a bunch of vegan documentaries that talked about how um, actually veganism is actually a great health choice, and you can get just as strong, just as you know, you can be just as healthy on a vegan diet, probably healthier. Actually, this is how I meant to. Eat. A bunch of documentaries like that came out around 2010, and suddenly it became sort of it, it was the new health thing, like oh, vegan diet for health, lose weight, eat. This is the healthiest way to eat. So there were a lot of people who started doing it, um, 
because they just they thought it was the healthiest way to eat because that's what they were being told and that's what they've seen in these uh, so they weren't necessarily into it for the ethics or anything but what's really funny is almost all those people who were like oh the healthiest way to eat i'll get into that about uh, i think i've seen five years at the most but it, from anywhere from one to five years they all fall off of it I've, I've been watching a bunch of interviews with these with people like that who were like yeah um thought it would be the healthiest way to eat uh, i almost died and uh, people were just telling me, oh, you weren't doing it right, man. You just weren't doing it right. I'm like, yeah, but like, I was dying. He's like, no, that's just your body detoxing itself. It's like, no, this is clearly not the healthiest way to eat. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So this is the main difference between a vegan diet and a carnivore diet. You literally do not need a single vegetable. You can lead a perfect, you can get everything you need from meat. You really can, if you're willing to go to the trouble to, you know, figure out where to get it, how to get it. But you can get everything you need from meat. On the flip side, you cannot do the same with vegetables. If you are going to go on a vegan diet and you don't want to die, you have to supplement. There are things you cannot get from vegetables, specifically vitamin B12. That's a huge one. Like, you don't get that. Your brain starts to decay. Like, there, there are a lot of things you, you, you can only get from animal foods. And uh, it's only because we live in the year 2021 that you're able to supplement that now. You can buy supplements. If you if you gone vegan back in 1920, you would die. You would just you would just die. Like that should tell you something. Like come on. So anyway, long story short, no, vegan, veganism craze, is terrible yes. for your health. Veganism. I, I, didn't I, I firmly believe. I firmly believe veganism, like surviving on vegetables, is a starvation diet. It's what you eat when you cannot find animal foods. I think God gave us plants as a, as like emergency backup food for when there's no meat around. Like, it'll do for now, but you can't, you cannot live on that. You cannot live a healthy life eating only plants. It will kill you. It will eventually kill you. Okay, my man, continue. Yes, I don't think there are any actual health benefits. I think there are some people that create the idea that they're on vegan diet for health. What's really insidious? I think it is actually true. What's really uh, insidious? There's people who are already healthy, then then they go vegan and they start their Instagram or whatever, promoting the vegan diet. Look how healthy I am, vegan diet. It's like no, you were healthy because you were eating meat, and now you're vegan. But you're making it look like you're healthy because of the vegan diet, and you're causing a bunch of. The reason why I got I get kind of mad about this. I, so we um I won't dox her, but there's this girl in the youth group. Who, uh, she, she went the, I don't know, well, I know why, she's, uh, she's, she loves animals too much, but in middle school she goes vegan because she loves the cute little pigs, and, um, not to mock her or anything, that's just, that's just her, but, uh, she just graduated high school, and she still looks like a middle schooler, like, that's not normal, like, I think that diet stunted her development. Like, there are many different factors that go into teenagers, development and like, physical If you want to kill yourself, the absolute worst time to go vegan is before you've fully developed. Because there are so many nutrients that you need from meat in order to develop properly through puberty. And if you don't get those, you're going to be stunted. You're going to be weak. You're, you're just, you're just going to, you're just not going to develop properly in your teenage years when you do like the most of your growing and that's just terrible it's just terrible i'm just mad that she did this to herself because she i don't i don't think she knew 
Like, I don't think she knew that was going to happen. And if I were... I mean, if I could go back in time, I'd have a long talk with her, but, like, you know, too late for that now. But it's just... <sighs> There's people out there saying this is healthy, and it ain't. It ain't. You're hurting people. Okay, now you can continue, McLean. Well, Jake, my major point was that veganism is a thinly veiled attempt at obtaining the moral superiority to where you can look down at other people and make fun of them. Um, it might be initial initiated by like good um, intentions. I think it's I think it stems from a hatred of humanity, like disbelief in God. You think humans are scum, and you do not prize them above animals. Like, you put humans and animals on the same plane. Human being, pig, same thing. Yes, and... It's uh, not that you value animals, you just don't value humans. That's the real thing. It's kind of weird when you go down the rabbit hole, because... It takes a while, or it takes a lot, for somebody to initially become, like, a vegan, and believe that it is bad to kill animals for meat. But once you're there... You can go so far down the crazy train, and I remember a couple of years ago I was at ISU in the student union building, and I see on the tables there, uh, in like the eating section, there's a bunch of tables and chairs that students will set. There are pamphlets that talk about speciesism. Now again, this at first seems like a fantastic bit someone has played, and I'm not entirely sure it wasn't. But I've heard enough about speciesism since then to know that it is a legitimate thing that people believe. That you should not use the, the phrases like pig or chicken as insults. Um, it's actually speciesist to uh, decide that some species of animals are not worth as much as others. Um, it is speciesist to eat animals. That's that's akin to it's being racist. Weird, I believe. It's earth worship. The pamphlet did say it was it's just earth worship. being racist. Hatred of the human race. I love the vegan. So I, I don't know, man. This all the vegan compilations on YouTube where it's like, they 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 all seem to share these similar traits. Of course, they're all liberals because they're the bleeding heart activists. So you know that's a given. But also, they they really don't like humanity. Um, they're very concerned about the environment. Obviously, human beings are evil. Yeah, they and, want humans to die. Yeah, like the human race is a blight upon the earth, and we should just humans should just die so that the earth can heal. Because they this like really backwards way of thinking, where they think the earth and animals are worth more than human beings. Like you shouldn't have kids. Um, <laughs> I just recently watched one where it was just a compilation of, of vegan guys talking. In God. Vegan guys talking about okay, this week I'm getting my vasectomy. Yeah. Uh, the minute a man utters the word vasectomy, I lose all respect for him. <laughs> Getting my vasectomy. I watched oh. this another compilation of um, vegans. Uh, I think it was called Vegan Cocks or something like that. Where um, this, this man who's a vegan and a raw vegan and his wife is not. And they have kids together. So they're getting a divorce. They decide that it's come to the point in their journeys where they should divorce. And they do uh, some hippy-dippy... Oh, I saw that one! Divorce. I saw that yeah. one! He's like, and they're like so happy was... during it, and he's like, I was expecting that to be harder. I wasn't! Or something like that. <laughs> okay, you picked up on the exact same thing I did. They did this hippy-dippy <laughs> divorce ceremony so they can release their spirits. And he's like, I got way more emotional than I thought. And she's very happily like, I got way less emotional than I thought. Yeah, okay, so this is a thing, McGlynn. Good for her. 
So vegan diet will screw with your hormones because obviously you're not getting, uh, especially for men, testosterone. You get that, like the biggest thing that helps with that is cholesterol. Vegan diets like almost you're no cholesterol. You're slowly starving man. yourself to death. Well, yeah, but like it affects different things as you starve yourself. Like one of the first things to get messed up is your hormones. So like men, their testosterone levels are tank. Women start, they, they're, women will like, women will like, okay, so this makes sense though. Like, if the body thinks it's not getting nutrients, it's like, yeah, this is not the time to have a child. Women will lose their period, they'll start, like, their hair starts falling out, like, their skin gets awful, they start, um... Yeah, that's why you have start looking like some men being like, they I've start been looking on a like vegan diet for two years and I haven't been attracted to a woman for months, I, uh... <laughs> it's like, wow, that's an incredible act of self-control. Oh, wait, no. No, your diet just literally tanked your libido because, you, yeah, like the yeah, testosterone is gone. So these the the men start acting more and more feminine, and the women start acting more and more, not necessarily like men, but less like women. Like they just don't care about like being feminine. You know what I mean? Like ah, it's hard mm-hmm. to describe, but like it's weird. It is weird, man. So like that, it sounds like a joke saying going vegan makes you gay, but it it certainly makes you act like it. Because you well, start. My point, my initial point was, veganism is a way for some people to feign moral superiority over others, and they use that as a weird—I don't know—I don't know what it is, but it becomes this weird spiteful thing in their mind where they become these internet edge lords, where they talk about, you know, I want to kill all humans, that type of thing. And it took me about 30 seconds to find this ridiculously long, like, blog post um, by a vegan here. Uh, uh, detailing exactly an, a fantastic example of what I was, uh, what I'm speaking about, entitled "Meat Eaters Are Bad People," from August 9th, 2007, by George Dvorsky. Man, I feel like I'm about to get educated. Would you like to know a little bit about Mr. Dvorsky? I would love to know more about Mr. Dvorsky. Do you think? Uh, uh, what would you? What would you say? You know, a couple, couple things about him. What would you? Oh, I'm gonna guess uh, LGBT. Um... And that's maybe you're gonna start out that way, but you know, vegan diet takes your testosterone and you start losing interest yeah, in women, yeah. so that would make sense. Uh, I'm gonna guess he's uh, been to maybe one or two Antifa rallies, you know, maybe. Okay, uh, this is from 2007, and this blip here isn't too detailed. It just says he's a Canadian futurist, <laughs> science writer, and ethicist. George Dvorsky has written and spoken extensively. Wait, is this actually Matt cutting? It might be about the impacts of cutting-edge science and technology, particularly as they pertain to the improvement of human performance and experience. He's a contributing editor at io9, the chairman of the board at the Institute for Ethics and Emerging Technologies, and is the program director for the Rights of Non-Human Persons program. Uh, what now? <laughs> the Rights for Non-Humans Person. I don't think you know how program. words work, sir. Unfortunately, that page is not found when I click on the link. I would love to have known more. Um, but this, yeah, Institute for Ethics and Emerging Technologies, a techno-progressive think tank. That sounds fantastic. And I'd love to learn more about that, perhaps at a later date. But yeah, I can't find more about the Rights of Non-Human Persons program at this moment. But let's, let's dive into, into George's, George's article. 
you know, the, the headline here, this is from 2007, so this is a bit of a, a bit of a relic. Like, the headline here, only the first letter is capitalized, and, I mean, this isn't quite as polished as it could be. This is 14 years old, but, let's, I mean, in some, many ways, it looks like it's a way ahead of its time in terms of being an absolute human horrible being. Um, human horrible being. Hum, horrible human being. There it is. It's all that meat that's clogging my brain. I can't talk right. He says, that's right. You heard me, B-word. If you eat meat, you're a bad person. And you're probably deluded, too. Desperately clinging to quasi-sensical rationalizations that are supposed to justify your cruel and filthy habit. Yup, you guessed it. I'm through being Mr. Nice Guy when it comes to dealing with meat eaters. I've passed a personal tipping point, so to speak, mostly on account I've, I've had it with you, majority of the world's pop, vast majority of the world's human population. 99.9% of the world population? I want you gone! I've had it with this widely accepted and culturally appropriate diet. I've passed a t personal tipping point, so to speak, mostly on account of my having to suffer through far too many dinner conversations in which I am exposed to ridiculous and unfounded arguments intended to support the practice of eating flesh. flesh. Ultimately, when it comes right down to it, there is no excuse for eating meat. Uh, let me repeat that. There is no excuse for eating meat. Here's All justifications I, for doing so. What I don't understand. Don't vegans believe that humans are just another animal? And yet when they see animals eating animals, like, they don't care about that because, like, they don't have, like, the same... Apparently they don't have the same moral requirements that humans do, even though, uh, to them, humans are no better than animals. Yes. Animals are just but like humans, but... Get, then you I, also get the absolute whacked-out vegans. You see this, some of the people on YouTube... Who try to make their cats vegan. One Mr. Vegan Gains... Oh yeah, that guy. He's another total just internet edge lord. I'm still on the fence about whether or not he's just been completely trolling this whole time. I think he's just but a sociopath. He said he, he he would um kill all lions. Um, oh, okay. Kill all um predators. Yeah. Completely whack job. Psychopath. Would he be okay with eating lions? Lions That's kill things. Question. They deserve it. That's a good question. Well, he wants to kill all lions or, like, kill all predators, so maybe. Um, but yeah, that's wild. Uh, but yes, um, all justifications for eating meat, including those rare arguments that actually manage to make sense, are weak to the core. There's no possible excuse that outweighs the damage and suffering caused by consuming meat. I would now like to take the time to debunk some of the more common fallacies I'm forced to listen to and supposedly tolerate on a regular basis. It's odd that this article is titled Meat Eaters Are Bad People and it's literally just about debunking uh, justifications for eating meat. There are seven fallacies he lays out oh, okay. in this absurdly long article here. Question, do any of them actually have to do with nutrition or is this just his weird version of ethics? We're going to find out, Jake. We're going to find out on this journey of discovery together. Okay. All right. I feel like um, I'm on the magic school personal, bus with you, Miss Frizzle. Here's my personal stance <laughs> on the subject. Uh, hum animals are dumb animals uh, meant for our consumption and our use and our purposes. Uh, I don't eat a dog because uh, do we use dogs as our um, 
I'm not Companions. morally opposed to eating a dog. I just don't eat dog because we use the dog for companionship like we use Yeah, they still serve a purpose. Things. It's just a non... Like, they have a different purpose. Like, we're still using to, them. Um, we raise cows to eat them. We raise to, dogs to be companions. Like... In fun. regards to, to cruelty towards animals, I wouldn't consider just harvesting or killing an animal and then eating it cruelty. Um... I mean, if I went to like one fact, of those, if I went to one of those countries where they do it, I I need dog if someone served it to me. I would definitely try some dog. If if yeah. it was an option, I would try some German Shepherd. Um, on in terms of um like slaughterhouses and like cattle, like inhumane conditions for animals and stuff. Yeah, I guess that's not great, but it does not. It does not make me feel guilty about eating meat enough. Well, no, enough I I do think stop eating meat. Our modern, I'd prefer uh, for it not to happen, but like, eh. Factory, well, I, yeah, factory farms, like, our whole food industry is awful. Like, like if that you could get, said, if if you you could get all of your food like, from local farms, like local free-range organic meats, like, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, local free-range meats. Oh, you know what, hunting, you know what I think it is, um, McLean? Fishing. I think a large... I think a large part of the rise of veganism, well, rise, I think one of the biggest reasons why veganism has become such a thing lately is not just because, like, you're in a time where scientifically you're able to do it with bringing in outside supplements, which would be a sign that's bad for you. But anyway, not only that, but because nobody lives on farms anymore, like, they're so detached from what it's actually like to live with and raise animals. When they hear about animals being killed, it's like this weird thing to them. Like, it's like, uh... Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's no, like, yeah, they don't have any... They don't have any experience with it. They don't understand it. And so they assume it must be this horrible thing. Yeah, so I don't particularly care to a certain extent about, like, inhumane conditions for, like, animals being killed for meat. I mean, that sucks. I'd prefer for it not to happen, but I'm not going to go out of my way to stop it or become an activist for that type of thing. Um, no, no. If you have, uh, like, a young, aspiring serial killer that is, like, a, treats animals cruel, cruelly, like, tortures them and stuff, that's clearly, that is clearly a, a sick mind that goes out and hurts animals for the sake of hurting them. But there's a difference no, between that and, like neglecting a cow on a ranch. Like, I totally get arguments against animal abuse. Like, I'm not I'm not out here advocating abusing and torturing animals. No. No. <laughs> Come on. Like, I don't think... I don't think God... I don't think God's okay with that either. I don't think he's up there being like, oh, yeah, yeah tor torturing an animal down there? That seems good to me. Keep yeah. it up. No. Torturing my creation for the fear, pure sake of causing pain and anguish? <laughs> I'm gonna green... I'm gonna rubber stamp that one. I can't talk tonight, apparently. But um, I just wanted to get that out of the way so we kind of have a better idea of my own personal feelings about um, uh, justifying, quote-unquote, having to eat meat. Um, so we can hear George here debunk all the reasons. Just the humane ways to slaughter day. animals. Like, there is no <laughs> the, slaughtering, the slaughtering process is not a crazy guy running around with a knife hacking at, hacking at the cow 20 times until he dies <laughs> while he moves in pain. That's not... <laughs> I don't know what kind of horror, yeah. like, horror story you got in your head about what that's like. <laughs> anyway. But, but that being said, um, fallacy, this is, uh, again, this is George's seven fallacies. Um, fallacy one. Humans evolved the capacity to eat meat so it's justified. Huh? When a person tells me this, I get the urge to smash tofu in their face. 
What does that? What this does he mean by that? Is the oft-used appeal to nature. Uh, humans. The argument here is humans evolved the capacity to eat meat, so it's justifiable to eat meat. I don't agree with that. Uh, we're supposed to eat meat, like. There are so many things well, you can yeah, only get from meat. The healthiest diet. Biologically, we should eat meat. I don't agree we evolved. The healthiest diets include meat. Like, you are going to be lacking without meat. So... This is the oft-used appeal to nature. Advocates of this view, whether they realize it or not, are essentially suggesting that might makes right. That because humans sit atop the food chain, they can pretty much kill and eat whatever they want. I've even heard guys use this argument to uphold their sense of masculinity, as if eating defenseless animals who were killed by machines that dipped them in electrified pools of water somehow affirms to their manliness. Someone read Fast Food Nation. Oh yeah, that book was, uh, I read that when I was in middle school, and um, mostly wrong. Most of the stuff in that book was wrong. I'd say misleading. Um, yeah, misleading. Pointing the I'd finger better, in the wrong direction. Making it sound like it's yeah. the meat that's bad when it's really it's the it's the sugar and all that soda. That's the problem. Yeah, probably don't eat uh, a quarter pounder with a side of uh, triple double French fries and an extra vanilla cho- chocolate shamrock shake. Um, it's the shake. But anyway. <laughs> Jake, Jake, believe it or not, funny, I have different measure of what makes a man. Looking at this argument another way, the appeal to nature asserts that evolved traits are inherently good. The line of thinking goes like this. Evolution is natural, and that and what is natural is good. And because humans evolved the capacity to eat and digest meat, the practice of eating meat must also be natural and subsequently good. This is the naturalistic fallacy, and it leads to all sorts of problems. Wait Given a this line of thinking... This man believes in both evolution and objective moral truth that transcends humanity? Interesting. I wonder hey, how he reconciles the, the, George has things. not stated that he believes in evolution here. Oh, okay. But, but, you know. Given this line of thinking, we should also condone other human traits that come about through evolution. Namely, okay, I guess he does. Namely, rape, murder, pedophilia, and cannibalism. Obviously, we're not about to do this anytime soon. Uh, you'd be surprised with uh, the traction the map community is gaining these days. We know very well that many people cannot be left to their own hardwired devices. This is why we have self-corrective memes, i.e. ethics, laws, etc., and why we need to have police and penal systems. I think he's using a different definition okay. for the word memes here. <laughs> This is 2007. There's no biological necessity for, uh, what did you say, rape? What was the other ones? Cannibalism. It was rape, murder, pedophilia, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no biological necessity for those. No, we need to Jake, eat meat if we want to develop properly. Like, you don't need those other things. You do need... Okay, sorry. Continue. More to the point, however, is the acknowledgement that overriding evolutionary baggage is part of the human mission. Having Darwinism processes guide our moral compass is sheer lunacy. Where is the morality and survival of the fittest? Evolution yeah. may have helped us describe how we got here, but it most certainly won't help us move forward as a compassionate species. Gary, Gary George, why is it important that we move forward as a Your compassionate species? Your worldview doesn't allow that, buddy. 
get your worldview, George. Doesn't you allow believe we for that. came from a rock. Like, there's no morality in a rock, George. You can't get an ought from an is, in the, in the words of whoever said that. I'm blanking all of a sudden. But, like, your worldview does not allow for objective morality. Like, the best you can come up with is subjectivism and then say, yeah, but it's in our best interest to be to do this because I think it is. You can't you can't Which claim objective morals here. Gary. Now before we get George, deeper whatever into your this, name is. this list of George it's George. I, I don't know why I said Gary. I, I'm having a hard time. He sounds like a Gary though, get, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he does. sounds like a Gary. Before we get deeper into this list of George's great fallacies of eating meat, I want to just address the fact that I think people like to use the term fallacy and they like to use the different types of fa- that's a slippery slope fallacy that's a it's all so dumb i use the just, word fallacy that makes it sound smart guy talk it's so dumb it is so dumb it's it, it's people it's cringe when someone's like actually you're wrong because you're using a slippery slope or whatever type of fallacy uh proven wrong get out of here uh, it's like oh you think because the government wants to ban some guns that that means it wants to ban all guns you're a nut job dude that's a slippery slope your argument is completely invalid and your fear of governmental overreach is, is not is is wrong I understand. we want to ban all guns we want to ban some guns for now I understand like the no true Scotsman fallacy that would make sense to me but slippery slope fall- that's not a fallacy because there are such things as creeping along towards ultimate like you think just because we normalize gay people the pedos are gonna one day be okay that's a slippery slope fallacy no no they were saying that about McLean. wrong they were saying that about the cross-dressing uh, trans people back in the 70s like you think if we normalize gay and trans will be next come on don't be Dude, don't be 15 silly years like ago, that's clearly a mental illness acceptable. 15 years ago, it was socially acceptable to, like... Or it was it was not completely socially acceptable to be trans. Or it was socially acceptable to make fun of or deride trans people and be like, I mean, I accept gay people, but trans people are wackos. Now it's... I mean, you'd have to be a pretty bigoted, uh, small-minded piece of garbage to think that trans people are, are not completely valid. What, you're gonna say that a guy can't marry a dog now? What if that dog really loves that guy? Come on, dude. Who are you? Who are you to say? The whole way, like, fallacies are used to just, like, I don't actually have to debate what you're saying or, like, disprove what you're saying. I just have to pull out some catchphrase about how you're using a blank fallacy, and, uh, boom, I win the, uh, I win the argument. Anyway, McLean, move on. You're being cringe, dude. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I. that's a bit more of a complicated rant that I should have prepared more if I wanted. The slippery slope was the only one that annoys me, but anyway. Now, Jake, you said that uh, humans uh, need uh, meat in their in their in yes. their diet. Yeah. Which brings us to fallacy number two, which is basically just a retread of fallacy number one. Quote: Humans evolved the capacity to eat meat, so it's a necessary part of a human diet. No, it's yeah, a necessary right. part of a human diet because we have actual biological processes that rely on the nutrients that we get from animal products. Like, 
we need them in order to live an optimal healthy life, in order to reproduce, in order for kids to develop properly, in order- You are- you are an idiot, sir! Jake, now I'm gonna say a lot of things here from this article, and I want you to try to, like, calm down and, like, you know, because, uh, what, what they're gonna say, you're gonna want to interrupt, like, basically every third word. I just ask that you, that you, wait a minute, comments, down. okay, all right, okay. A preemptive settle down. All right, okay. Yeah, right. That's why heart disease is the leading cause of death. Hundreds of thousands of people die prematurely each year because of too much saturated fat from meat and dairy products. Calm down, Jake. Jake. I'm I'm It's no secret. It's no secret that meat consumption promotes heart disease, cancer, (laughs) diabetes, osteopromoris, and every other major degenerative disease. Hi, it's me, the 1970s. I want my bad science back. The Western meat-obsessed diet is a major contributor to the host of health problems currently endemic in our society. (laughs) Okay, alright. So sugar gets a pass in your world? (laughs) Oh yeah, you know, a vegan milkshake, you know, uh, or vegan uh, smoothie. Those 20 bananas bananas and two cups and a couple cups of sugar. Oh gosh, why are my teeth falling out of my head anyway? (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the Tempo Ranch, not only do humans fare fairly well without meat, they actually thrive without it. Thrive. A number of dietitians are now claiming that human physical performance peaks when people go off meat and other animal byproducts. A number? Carl I Lewis. would love to see these numbers. Well, he's got some links in here. I don't know if any of them still work since this article is literally from Dinosaur Times. And he links me to the Vegetarian Sports Nutrition Guide listing on Amazon from 1999. What the hell, guy? <laughs> what the? You can't... You can't uh, link a book on Amazon and use it as the source, dude. <laughs> this is ridiculous. By Lisa Dorfman? Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, guy. You got Amazon's listings on your on your sources here. Oh, he must have a he must have a stake in that book. Uh, no pun intended. Carl Lewis, back to the article, Carl Lewis said his best years as a sprinter came after he transitioned to a vegan diet. Word of this is slowly getting out, and an entire subculture has emerged around this revelation. Uh, when was this, McLean? Peter Singer. When was What's this? That? When was this? Uh, this? This was written, George wrote this in 2007. Gosh, I wonder what happened to all those vegan athletes he's talking about. Hmm, interesting. Don't don't really hear much. Crazy. So um, the, that doc there was a recent documentary called The Game Changers, which was like, oh, here's all these vegan athletes who are athletes, but they're also vegans. So uh, in your face, well, really they were already athletes, then they became vegans, and really they're just writing off of whatever gains they made as non-vegans, and almost all of them like, either yeah, after they became vegans, they like broke bones and retired, and like. Like none of them, none of them were like, I became vegan and now I'm a world champion. A blah blah. No, they like immediately decline, deteriorate, and retire. But the documentary just spins it so hard. It's bad. Anyway, I'd love to see these uh, these uh, vegan athletes he's referencing here. 
I heard the name Peter yep. Singer, by the way, uh, infamous doctor who advocates killing babies. So what was that about? Yeah, um, he uses philosopher Peter Singer hit the nail on the head when he said that if alternative means of survival exist, one ought to choose the option that does not cause unnecessary harm to animals. And then I clicked. This on, is the uh, doctor who advocates killing babies, by the way. Actual yeah, this is uh, infanticide. He links to Peter Singer's um, Wikipedia page, which again, not a source, dude. Um, in political views, it points out that in a Darwinian left, Peter Singer outlines a plan for the political left to adopt, to adapt to the lessons of evolutionary biology. He says that evolutionary psychology suggests that humans naturally tend to be self-interested. He further argues that the evidence that selfish tendencies are natural must not be taken as evidence that selfishness is right. Dude, one that day. Game theory. You know how like civilizations die out, and then you look back and you like dig up the weird things they believed, and you go, oh, "They were so stupid." Yeah. I for evolution is th this this way of thinking about how things work, this evolutionary thing. I think that's it's a lot like uh, nutrition science. How like back in the fifties, you get one bad idea, and but and because you can't prove it wrong just yet, you start building the field on that one bad idea, and then. <laughs> 30 years later when you are able to prove that initial idea wrong you've already built years and years of bad science on it so like nobody wants yeah. to nobody wants to upset that stack they, and there's no well, other way I of think thinking was... about it. there is no other way of thinking about the evidence because every time a new piece of evidence comes in you filter it through the paradigm that you have you go oh this belongs over here you, you put a each new piece of evidence is like a brick and you're stacking these bricks on top of this bad foundation and eventually you built an entire tower you're like science the foundation is rotten and crooked and bad and the whole thing would fall apart but you, you don't want to address that because you know, it's a pretty big tower that's a lot of work and you'd have to admit you were wrong so let's just keep let's just keep building the tower higher that's what that's yeah, what evolution is to me that George, that's what this uh, is to me references like, someone who advocated for using the ideas of um, social Darwinism, when he was just talking about how Darwinism isn't good um, to use as a principle or guiding principle. Um, now people you did think say that Peter Singer. People get caught up in this idea that um, all the evidence points towards uh, this 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 one way of looking at how the world works, how we got here, what it all means. But like, you only really think that because every time evidence comes in, it gets interpreted through the only lens we have to look at it, which is this social evolution Darwinism stuff. And like, you keep stacking bricks on top of this bad foundation. We're, we're at the top of this tower of bricks, and the one guy next to you is going, uh, Guys, maybe this is a bad foundation. And you're like, Well, if you want to knock down the entire tower and destroy civilization, okay, science denier. It's like, okay, I don't think this is good, but all right. Now, now, Jake, anyway, you point out that Peter Singer apparently is known for wanting to kill babies, but um, those words are pretty much like taken out of context and distorted. Um, oh, I'm sorry, oh I'm wait sorry. a second, what does this say? Similar to his argument for abortion rights, Singer argues that newborns lack the essential characteristics of personhood, rationality, autonomy, and self-consciousness, and therefore killing a newborn baby is never equivalent to killing a person. Okay, you think abortion will lead to a devaluing of human life? <laughs> Slippery slope fallacy. Singer has clarified that his view of when life begins isn't very different. I, I just from that got I just got gold for that abortion. sick burn on Reddit, by the way. He's got gold for that. He, seems, he deems it 
not unreasonable to hold that an individual human life begins at conception. If it doesn't, then it begins about 14 days later when it is no longer possible for the embryo to divide into twins or the multiples. Singer These disagrees people. with abortion rights opponents in that he does not think that the fact that an embryo is a living human being is sufficient to show that it is wrong to kill it. These people hate humanity, man. They just hate oh, life. Oh, so Peter they Singer, okay, he doesn't support abortion, or he supports abortion, not because he doesn't think that it's a human life, but because he thinks it's okay to kill that human being. So okay. it's okay to kill that, but you can't, you can't eat an animal. <laughs> These people. Singer wishes to see These American people. jurisprudence in the natural abortion debate take up the question of which capacities a human being needs to have in order for it to be wrong to kill it. As well so as the baseline should be killing human beings. Human being. like, These capacities are present. Murder should be the norm. So, no, no, no. We need an excuse to not murder. <laughs> Pete, Pete, take a step back here. Okay, so I think I'm not, I'm gonna say this, and I don't think it's too bold of a statement to to say that I don't think killing any human being is is uh. uh <laughs> Again, again, just like the, the people from Vice, maybe we start slow with the morals. Let's introduce maybe, maybe don't lead off with murder as your first choice. Like, let's start there. <laughs> Can we talk you down to maybe just maiming it? Or, I, I don't know, Pete. You're just a little weird, man. A little weird. Anyway, what else does Gary have to uh, say? Singer has replied that many people judge him based on secondhand. No, behind, behind, behind. I know about Peter aim... Singer. I want to know more about gear. No, I, Peter says that his aim is to elevate the status of animals, not to lower that of humans. Well, you're doing a real bang up job, Pete. You, you go get him. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Okay. Uh, George says also, as Charles Einstein has said. It is just plain wrong to take another animal's life unnecessarily. It is bloody, brutal, and barbaric. I mean, he said that, but that doesn't mean it's right. Um, and it's not unnecessarily, but... Makes sense to me. We don't need meat to survive or to remain healthy. Consequently, we have no business raising and killing animals for food. But killing babies? You go right ahead. The ongoing practice of doing so is pure extravagance. I mean, you didn't really, that doesn't really have anything to do with it, whether or not it's necessary. I mean, I can just Fallacy imagine him, three. I can imagine him pounding out that last sentence with his little anemic stick arms, he can barely, he can barely type on the keyboard because he just doesn't have the energy and his brain's in this fog. With He's his, like, this machine oh, kills fascist bumper sticker on his uh, computer monitor. <laughs> yeah, and, and like he would have a neck beard, except his testosterone levels are so gr so low he can't even push out the the pathetic <laughs> scraggly hairs. He did have a neck beard before it all fell out. Yeah, yeah. Jake, we're not even halfway through this. We gotta. Oh no! Gotta come on. The pace. We gotta. We gotta. <laughs> oh, Gary, you're long-winded, buddy. <laughs> Fallacy number three: being a vegetarian is too difficult, and I never find anything to eat. In other words, you're lazy, unimaginative, and you have the taste buds of a five-year-old. Get over it. A chunk of meat does not reside at the center of the universe. There are plenty of other options. You have the taste buds of a five-year-old, says the man literally eating cow food. 
Which brings to mind another infuriating but common misconception. The twisted notion that vegetarians only eat vegetables. What nonsense. How about a good old fashioned plate of pasta and thick tomato sauce? I could use some sugar and empty carbs right now. That's really going to get me going through the day. Or a pizza covered in mushrooms and hot peppers. A plate of nachos and refried beans, anyone? How about meatless carbs, lasagna, carbs, carbs, stir fries, carbs, curries, carbs, chilies, and casseroles, carbs, pancake carbs, covered carbs, in syrup, sweet potato soup, and a fresh blueberry pie? Carbohydrates. It occurs to me that, um, that, um, George is talking about vegetarians here and not vegans. I mean... I think most of that you can get some horrible vegan replacement food to make it with. I'd be interested to check back in on George here at a at a more recent time to see if he's still a vegetarian or if he switched over to veganism in his crazy ramblings. In what, fact, what I find I've hilarious, McLean, better. what I find hilarious is when like somebody goes vegetarian and like they start having these health problems, which obviously is because of the lack of nutrients in their diet. So they go, oh, I gotta go vegan. I'll be healthier if I just go vegan. These problems will go away. Problems get worse. I gotta go raw vegan. No cooked food. Yeah. They go raw vegan. And they're like so anemic they can't get out of bed in the morning. I'm like, man, I'm just, myself a little bit more. I'm just not doing the diet right. No, this is just my body detoxing itself, guys, because that's totally a thing that is real detoxing. Like, what do livers do? Am I right? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I've never eaten better since becoming a vegetarian five years ago. George, I don't believe you. It's so good, guys. Probably. It's so good. I now eat a diverse array of foods, and I'm much more competent and knowledgeable in the kitchen. Moreover... Even the most meat-centric of us, my old self included, can find worthy substitutions. No, you can't. That's a lie. I often enjoy fake ham sandwich for lunch. For oh. dinner, I like to throw a veggie patty on the barbecue and slap it with McLean? HP and Tabasco sauce. By the way, we should just do an entire episode looking into where the heck this Beyond Me stuff came from because it's creepy, I tell you. It's like somebody's out there being think... like, how can we get Americans to stop eating beef? I know. And I, then I this, stuff like just, looked... this stuff just hits the markets. Like, it's everywhere and it's a little creepy. Anyway, have you ever noticed how, like, like... If someone looks too into that, you'll probably get murdered by the big fake meat industry. Yeah, the margarine people. Margarine mob. Um, yeah, but like it's always fully stocked, like half off, nobody's buying it. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. But it's it's almost as if like they know nobody wants it, but they're putting it in stores anyway, because they would just they just want you to think that it's it's the future. We don't need real meat anymore. We've we've moved past that. We're healthy now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I also enjoy burritos stuffed with and I also hear, ground meat. I keep hearing about how they're working on uh, making meat, but like in a lab, like growing meat. Like not, like in the future we won't have to raise animals to get meat. We'll just be able to grow it in a lab. That's dystopian and creepy and I don't like that. I'll just buy some cows and slaughter them myself if it ever gets to that. Ugh. Add the right spicing condiments and marinate to this stuff and you're practically there. George, you're a sick, sick person. You are trying to get as close as you possibly can to eating animals to simulate what it tastes like to eat a, a non-person human, a human person. You Ugh. sick human being. Meat is so gross. Hot dogs are disgusting. Anyway, I made this uh, substitute that perfectly replicates the taste, texture, and feel of hot dogs. George, mm, you it tastes just like the real you thing. You psychopath. Mm. Mo- that I, is I insane, do, dude. 
they convince themselves that it's so disgusting to eat animals and then like their body starts craving it because like they need they need the nutrients their body starts craving meat and so they have to figure out these weird vegan alternatives this is weird. it's just ah uh, it's weird oh you know what i find funny when uh, I was, as I was saying, I was listening to a lot of interviews about former vegans who like had to quit the diet because they realized it wasn't healthy. And they talk about like the first time they ate, they ate meat in like forever. This one lady was like, so, uh, yeah. Now there's a few people who describe the sensation of their first bite of meat, like a couple minutes after like starting to eat meat for the first time in a long time. Like there, it's like their brain, like it's like you just put a battery into something and it's charging up, like when. Like, they suddenly feel better than they have in such a long time. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's funny. It's funny. That's gotta be an interesting experience. Like, you finally finally got the thing you were lacking. And your body's like, thank yeah, you! It's like drinking water in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, fallacy number four, Jake. Taking the life of an animal isn't cruel because they're worthless, stupid, and probably not even self-aware. That's so actually wrong. dolphins. I mean, you can are say that about smart, babies. So... You can say that about uh, like newborn babies because that's totally true. They're worthless, stupid, and probably not even self-aware. But how dare you say that about a cow? <laughs> oh yeah, George I sent continues. that uh, that vegan comic to the Westboro's group chat, where like piglets saying, "Are they gonna slaughter me, poo?" Yes, they are piglet. It's like you're anthropomorphizing Cringe. something. You're taking something that's not a human, giving it the qualities of a human so that you can project emotions onto it. So you're basically making up a thing in your head as an excuse to not... You're being stupid. It's just like with aliens. Someone this made that real. up, dude. You know you know, it's Tigger not is not an actual actual animal, right? Yeah, I blame Walt Disney anyway, for all this. George continues. Again, Gary, patent... Nonsense. These are the lies that people tell themselves as they bite into a sirloin steak. The kind of reassurance they need to convince themselves that what they're doing is not evil. George, you're trying to get as close as you possibly can to doing it. What what makes you any better? You weirdo. It's also a sign of our it's also a sign of our speciesist tendencies. I did not expect to see speciesist in an article from 2007. I'm telling you, the man was way ahead of his time. Gary's on as the cutting humans, edge. As humans, we don't kill each other because we know that other humans do not want to die unless they're a baby. Again, Peter Singer says, go ahead and kill people with disabilities, kill babies, kill newborns. It's not because they're not alive. It's because they are alive and I don't care. Just go ahead and kill them. Go ahead and kill them. The same should hold true for our relationship with non-human animals. All animals are non-human animals, George. They don't want to die either, but they're given no choice and no protection. Indeed, the devaluing of humans, of animals, sorry, is a lie. Farm animals are remarkably intelligent and emotional. As professor, professor of animal husbandry, John Webster has said, People have assumed that intelligence is linked to the ability to suffer and that because animals have smaller brains, they suffer less than humans. That is a pathetic piece of logic. Sentient animals have the capacity to experience pleasure and are motivated to seek it. You only have to watch how cows and lambs both seek and enjoy pleasure when they lie with their heads raised to the sun on a perfect English summer's day, just like humans. John, go outside and touch some grass. 
Yeah. Or I guess go inside and touch some carpet. I don't know. But whatever you're doing, do a little less of it and do something more <laughs> or something else because it's not working. Yes, animals go. deserve an experiential life free go from suffering Go marry a cow or something, John. I don't know. We as the dominant species on the planet have to pay particular attention to their needs. <laughs> Biologist Mark Beekoth has noted you know, when animals you know these are animals, seen... You know, these animals really would not exist. If, most of them just would not exist if we weren't raising them for food. You know that, right? A hundred percent. The only reason that cow and that pasture over there is alive is so we can get food from it. Like, he would not that exist if we did not consume him. Yeah, like, cows would be extinct. Uh, cows it's would it's not the have same logic of, like... With. People who protest uh, logging operations, like, you know the reason why these forests, like, they plant the forests so they can log them. Like, it's a sustainable, renewable resource. Yeah, anyway. Exactly. Biologist Mark Beekoff has noted, when animals are seen as automatons with no emotions, it is easy to treat them as mere property with which humans can do as they please. They can, because they're animals. Exactly. And we need to move away from this sort of Parochial, 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 parochial. I think parochial thinking as quickly as possible. Along these lines, I highly recommend the book "The Pig Who Sang to the Moon: The Emotional World of Farm Animals" by Jeffrey Mason. I um. I hear your cries, fellow oh, pig yeah. brethren. Yeah, it's a it's another Amazon link. Uh, the pig who sang to the moon. There's a brief look inside. This looks like it'll be good for seventeen dollars. It's a little expensive. Look, Gary, just because, just because you're socially inept with people, like just because you can't communicate with people and animals, like they don't care and they'll they'll associate with you because they're just animals. Like that doesn't mean oh. they're they have these virtuous character. Gary, you just you just the only reason you love animals so much is because. They'll hang out with you and people won't. I firmly believe there's a there's a lot of vegans out there who connect with animals on such a deep level because they're so bad with people. Like, they hate people. They oh. don't connect with them. They can't communicate with them. But, you know, the dog comes over and he licks my face. So, the, the dog gets me. And one of the um, quotes talking up this book is from Peter Singer. Well, he <laughs> advocates for killing children. So, if he likes this book... I'd say Hitler might like this book as well, so I might not actually read this, come to think of it, because Peter Singer does want to kill newborn babies. Yeah, call me me old-fashioned, call me an old-fashioned, conservative, stuck, postmodern old man. I don't think we should kill babies. (laughs) I mean, hearing abortion is okay not because fetuses aren't alive but because they are alive and i don't care it's not a hot take that i expected to hear today but so you think peter singer like he'd be like chilling with those ain't the mayans sacrificing the babies to the sun gods like just throwing kids into these pits to die like he'd just be standing there applauding like yes yes this is what we should be doing (laughs) i see nothing wrong here (sighs) fallacy number five jake evil 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 yeah Fallacy number five, livestock aren't treated poorly. I mean, I said before we even started this that Again, I don't really whenever people care. bring up the sustainability of livestock and like, oh, we have so much land dedicated to this and that and it's unsustainable and slaughterhouse conditions. If we just 
if people just went back to raising animals on their own, like everybody has a backyard these days. You, if you live in suburban America, you have you you you'll have a nice sized backyard. Okay, you can keep animals back there. You can raise your own animals, make animal products. Nobody does it anymore because we're all dependent on the government to give food to us. It's I'm a strong advocate for raising backyard chickens. I am as well. More people should do that. They should. It's it, a nice it is hobby. kind of a thing these days. Yeah, it's, I, you're off. The, you're off the internet for the most part. My I closest mean, neighbors are chickens. I can see them from so my window the right now. And you're raising chickens. Honestly. Yep. And if you love animals, good for you. Chickens Don't worry, the egg's not going to feel any pain. Very easy to People raise. Unless you live in Montana. Claim. Unless you live in Montana and the coop freezes over at night. The winter. <laughs> well, that adds a little spice to it. Yeah. Livestock are untreated poorly. People who make this claim are either terribly misinformed or just plain ignorant. The Behind? reality is that modern farming practices Behind? are an absolute travesty. When I own yes. my own home one day, I'm just straight up buying a cow for milk. And then I'll be like an old-timey farmer every morning. I'll go out and milk. I'm awesome. 100% with you, Jake. A thousand percent with you. Okay, good. And... By doing this, I, you know, I want to get some acreage. I'm going to raise chickens, maybe turkey, and I, I, I want, do want to have at least one cow. Maybe you hit horse, up the local butchers. Having too. a cow, even just a milking cow, what I really ought to do would is just automatically buy a, make me a cowboy. I ought to so, just drop a few hundred on like a side of beef and a, and a good freezer to keep it in. That's what I really ought to do. I think like, you should just buy a cow, honestly. Beef for real. a year. Well, I'm talking about like you'll have a cow for like the the dairy products, and then you just go to your local butcher and buy a side of beef that'll last you a whole year. Anyway. Jake, I'm I'm coming up to you as a brother in Christ, and I'm telling you that I think you should buy a cow. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Of I all appreciate your, your wisdom and your insight into my interests and hobbies. I think this could be the one that I would fully support with okay. no hesitations. Pigs are typically kept in stalls so small and narrow that they can never turn around or rest properly. Many develop respiratory problems and neurotic coping behaviors such as repetitive bar biting and sham chewing, chewing nothing. Chickens and turkeys are often packed 20 to a cage and pumped with antibiotics. Their beaks have to be clipped to prevent them from pecking at one another. I'm surprised he didn't bring up the abused turkeys from Thanksgiving. Dude, I remember... My animal, my animal agriculture class at Oregon State, like so many of these little myths being dispelled, like I was, like you could tell the the professor had like heard all this a million times, and he was just so sick of it. Like from, the way he like had to sit down, girls? he yeah. explained to the class like a dad sitting down a bunch of stupid kids and being like, "Look, this is how you raise animals. Like chickens naturally want to be together; they flock together. So you put more of them in the cage because that's naturally what they want to do. You guys yeah, are idiots. If you just have chickens alone, they will die." Actually. <laughs> anyway. Oh um, well, yeah, the best thing about that class was they had a cow where for some reason they had done an operation on this cow, and when when they went to like sew her up, they just left a left this like porthole in the cow, and you could just open up the side, and stick your hand in, and feel the organs. It was funny. I've heard about cows like that before. Yeah. Did you feel some cow organs? I don't remember if I actually did it or not. Crazy. That seems like I hope I did. Anyway. As for cows, well, read this expert from a April 2001 Washington Post article which describes typical slaughter plant conditions. This uh, excerpt is now 20 years old. Quote, wow. the cattle were supposed to be dead before they got to Murano, but too often they weren't. They blink, they make noises, he said softly. The head moves, the eyes are wide and looking around. Still, Marina would cut. 
On bad days, he says, dozens of animals reach the stations clearly alive and conscious. Um, Some would survive know, as far as the tail cutter, the belly ripper, the hide puller. They die. <laughs> the hide puller. Piece by piece. I, I remember plants, seeing a documentary. All over the I, United States, this happens on a daily a, basis. Uh, a riff tracks where they were looking at a, a film that Hormel put out about the... Uh, the, uh, the process of butchering uh, animals. I don't know. I found it really... Oh, yeah. That was another part of the Oregon State class. We uh, visited a butchering place and we got to watch a cow get butchered. It was really fun. Um, and the thing about... The, oh, his eyes were still moving. You could clearly tell he was looking around. You know that... Inst- you know that... You know there's stuff that's still like going on after you kill the cow, right? Everything doesn't just stop immediately. Like, there's still some stuff firing. Anyway... That's what chickens. That's, that's what it happens. That's where the phrase a chicken running around with his head cut off. That's where they that comes feel from. it's out of control. I could go on and on. I'm sure you could, George. But I'm sure you're getting the point, and you'd probably got more by reading other accounts of how pigs, cows, chickens, and other farm animals are mistreated. I also recommend the book Slaughterhouse: The Shocking Story of Greed, Neglect, and Inhumane Treatment Inside the U.S. Meat Industry by Gail A. The first four Lankmans. of those were born. The first four installments of that book was born, but Slaughterhouse Five, rockin' good read, my friend. Rockin' good. Pip pip. Yes, sir. Fallacy number six. Eating meat isn't bad for the environment. Guess again. Raising meat is environmentally nasty and... And guess what, Jake? And guess what? Ah, uh, what? An inconvenient truth. Oh! He said... He said the thing. He said the thing. <laughs> Say the line, Bart. Say the line. Given the climate change hysteria gripping the planet, one would think that maintaining hordes of livestock would be a hot-button social and political issue, but it's not. That would be too inconvenient. The ongoing practice of raising animals for food is being ignored as a subset to the larger environmental catastrophe currently in effect. Animal protein, for example, requires tremendous expenditures of fossil fuel energy, 80 times as much as for the same amount of plant protein. The average meat-consuming diet burns the equivalent of a gallon of gas per day. You know, it tastes like five All gallons of water to make the U.S. To, consume to raise five one times as much grain as its human population. Americans are outnumbered by their farm animals by a ratio of 25 to 1. McLean, I'm losing you. Yeah, sorry about that. In terms of land use, one-sixth of an acre of land can feed a vegetarian for a year. I wouldn't call it feeding. While three acres are required to provide the grain needed to raise a year's worth of meat for the average meat eater, the toll on water resources is just as bad. Grain-fed livestock consume 100,000 liters of water. This argument is so stupid. Look, hey. This argument is just stupid from the get-go. Like, you're, you're arguing for what the best diet is based on the environmental impact. No. What you do is you figure out what the best diet is and then figure out how to make that diet sustainable for the environment. Like, you're starting at this backwards, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I kind of just sped through most of that section there, and I haven't finished with it, but I don't know if I really am going to... And I, I read I read it with a certain amount of parody in my voice because I really don't care about this. Yeah, one. I don't do. But like, if this is really a big issue, just you just 
you shouldn't be advocating for you know not eating meat. Just get people to raise their own cattle. Get neighborhood I mean, co-ops. George, support you, your local farmers. Like there's other. George, there's, you uh, wrote this. You wrote this in 2007. That was 14 years ago. If it was really that bad, we should all be dead by now, and the uh, planet should be a ball of fire. Oh, don't worry, we will. In 20 years, 20 years goes by. You'll be sorry in 20 years when we're all dead. Yeah. Just you wait. It's going to be inconvenient. Very inconvenient. So as you're heading off in your hybrid car to get solar panels for your home, I'm, I I couldn't care less about either of those things. Just remember that as a meat eater, you're only being partially environmentally conscious. Which is funny <sighs> because, like, from their point of view, if they think they're doing the ethical thing, like they're saving animals, like... Everything's still, unless you get America to go 100% vegan, which would kill everybody. I was reading an article about how that would, that would just destroy the country if everybody suddenly went vegan. But like, even if, so like, that's not going to happen. You know that's not going to happen. So really, the best you can accomplish is just feeling better than everybody because you're not doing the bad thing. That's the whole point. Yeah. That's the whole point. Which brings us to the last fallacy. Fallacy number seven. Quote... Eating meat is my personal choice, and since I respect your desire not to eat animals, I would appreciate your respecting my preference. Sorry, I will do no such thing. As Colin Patrick Goudreau has retorted, the problem with this justification is that it assumes that there is no victim, no other. It implies that the meat eaters' desires, traditions, culture, or taste buds are superior to anything or anyone else, and that because of this, he or she is absolved from the harm eating meat causes. Remember, this is not about you. George... You're making this all about you because the entire reason you're vegan, the entire reason you wrote this whole mind-numbing article is to feel better about yourself and to make other people feel bad. Um, And he admits this in this last conclusion, the truth hurts. As for me personally, I do not profess to have achieved any semblance of moral perfection. You don't need to remind me of my hypocrisies and inconsistencies. I am very much aware of them, and I am my own worst critic. I am not vegan, for example, but I hope to transition to that diet eventually. I knew it. But at least I'm trying. I'm making an effort to live a life in which I meet out as little suffering as possible to other living creatures. McLean, I'm also trying to reduce my global footprint. And if McLean, that means I giving love up Google. meat... I love Google so much. So recently, Joe, well, yeah, it was a few months ago, but Joe Biden's uh, climate change plan, he wants, he wants like 90% of red meat cut out of our diets by 2030, which is like about a hamburger a month. And so you type in Joe Biden hamburger into Google and ev- like the first five pages are fact check. Joe Biden is not taking away your hamburgers. And that's like just page after page of fact check. No, Biden is not trying to force Americans to eat less red meat. Joe Biden isn't going to take away your burgers. Fact check. Biden climate plan does not require U.S. to stop eating meat. Republicans are serving up a whopper about Joe Biden. Joe Biden's war on hamburgers? That's fake news. Joe Biden is not coming for your poorly cooked hamburger. Ah, it's, uh... Okay. I'm just going to assume... Whatever the truth is, is the opposite of what I see in headlines. That's just, okay, thank you. Joe Biden is an innocent, innocent man, innocent elderly man that Google needs to protect <laughs> at all costs. Yeah, that's hilarious to me. Anyway, sorry, what was the end of that uh, article? The, the end of this was, 
Um, at least I'm trying. And if that means giving up meat, which I used to eat with great delight, then so be it. And yes, I'm on my high horse now. But I'm sincerely trying to make a difference. If my tone ticked you off, it says peed you off, then I succeeded in my goal. I'm deliberately trying to cajole you so you'll reconsider your eating habits. And in my own naive way, I'm hoping that some of you will actually consider a vegetarian diet. McLean, I think some of the worst Here's vegans. Here's the thing, Gary. Gary, uh, your your whole thing is that um, you're making an effort to live a life in which you meet out as little suffering as possible. The th I don't. So am I. You know what? So am I. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not making animals suffer because I eat them. Because they're they're dumb, stupid animals. Therefore, are purposes and frankly i would rather be more concerned uh that one of your idols peter singer is uh advocating for the deaths of of killing little babies actually newborn babies and people with disabilities so you should probably be more concerned about um human actual lives rather than um rather wow, than uh, animals which have no souls Speaking of Must killing yourself, babies, Gary. there are many articles out there, many news articles you'll find, and it's, these just really, uh, they tick me off. Um, vegan parents, McLean, they're the worst kind of vegans who force their kids into the diet. Like, you know the kid's not doing this out of their own free will, but especially when they're babies. Like, putting the baby on the vegan diet, you're a horrible person. Ryan O'Leary, 30, and Sheila O'Leary, 35, were arrested last week in Cape Coral, Florida after their 18-month-old son died on September 27th, weighing only 17 pounds, which is the weight of an average 7-month-old. An autopsy found the toddler died after suffering complications related to malnutrition, including dehydration, microsteatosis of liver, and swelling of hands, feet, and legs. Uh, the, the mom called after she found the boy cold and not breathing. The dad tried to resuscitate the child but was unsuccessful. Paramedics survived pronouncing dead. Police later spoke with the couple and noticed that two of their children, aged three and five, were pale and yellowish in color. Authorities weighed the children and found they were in the very bottom weight range for their age. One of the children also had blackened teeth. Police said the parents had a third female child who appeared the healthiest. They later found out that this child lived with her dad half the time in Virginia. The child reportedly visits her father for a few weeks every two months and believes that it contributes to her healthier appearance. The mom told the police her family's vegan and only eats raw fruits and vegetables. She said she also breastfed the toddler, adding the toddler had not eaten solid food in the week and had only been breastfed. On the day the boy died, and that's also annoying, like, when you're breastfeeding, you have to have the nutrients in your body too, because that's kind of how that works. <laughs> anyway, the mom said she had nursed her son for about a minute before she had blah 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 blah. The boy's cause of death was determined blah 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 blah. They were charged with aggravated negligent manslaughter, among other charges being held in jail until their arraignment. The NHS advises a vegan is suitable for baby a vegan diet is suitable for babies and children, but parents must ensure the child is receiving sufficient NHS, what are you doing? No! <laughs> Do not put your baby on a vegan diet. Don't listen to the government. Goodness gracious, that's terrible. Um, yep, yep. But anyway, there's just tons of these news stories about when vegan parents try to put their babies on. Ugh. Um, is this a different family? The vegan parents of a baby girl have avoided jail after a court hurt their strict diet, left their baby daughter with severe brain damage. 
The duo who live in Australia were warned by health experts that their daughter wasn't getting enough nutrients from their own plant-based diet, but chose to ignore them. The parents, who can't be named for legal reasons, avoided jail after pleading guilty to negligent cause of injury. Uh, the judge ordered they serve 12-month community corrections order and undertake mental health treatment. The website news.com.au reported the little girl was left with the devastating permanent disability of cerebral palsy caused from malnutrition because of the strict vegan diet. The news channel said the 12-month-old baby was rushed to emergency department in August for doctors to discover bruising, open wounds, rashes, skin deterioration, internal bleeding, the baby needed life support, etc., etc. Uh... A week before the father had rushed the baby to the hospital, the court was told he had written an email to a, <laughs> to a herbal, health, that, herbal health club based in the U.S. asking for advice. The email said, Hi, so my one-year-old has stopped wanting to drink and eat, and when she does, it's not staying down. What can I do to help her keep it down? She's on an all-fruit diet. Please help me out. I'm laughing, but that's horrible. The court... Uh, Instead of advising him to take the child to a hospital, the consultant suggested a stomach tea for the baby. The child spent a month in intensive care. Uh, the court was told when the baby stopped breastfeeding, the parents fed the infant a mix of coconut water and powders instead of formula. Maternal nurse was concerned well, Jake, about the baby's I mean, growth. It's a newborn baby. You know, it's a child. It's a toddler. So technically, it's not even alive. <laughs> Doesn't really have, you know, intelligence or anything so it doesn't really matter what we do to it if I'm uh, being honest the mom sent a message Jake, to would the would you like to hear okay sorry this, this is just gonna make me mad yeah continue That's, okay would you like to hear this more recent article from George Dvorsky from 2011 how long is it it's not long but really you just need to hear the headline okay just give me the headline I'll take the headline so I started eating meat again <laughs> Let me guess! You were lacking some nutrients, weren't you, George? Gary, whatever your name is. Moreover, my performance at the gym was stalling. My energy levels were consistently low and I was very making very little gains. This was an indication to me but, that something wasn't right. But the game changers told me I could be a vegan bodybuilder. How our vegan so diet after a made us of ill. avoiding meat, I was curious to see if a reintroduction to animal protein could change the situation. I switched to the paleo diet, and within three months, my BMI went down from 17 to 12%, and I gained nearly 10 pounds of muscle mass. I was astounded, and add to that an improved sense of well-being, mental clarity, and energy. So, uh... <clears throat> you gonna take back all that stuff you said, or...? <laughs> Here's the thing. Unlike many other carnivores, I'm at least cognizant of the fact that I'm exploiting animals for my own well-being. While I have made the move, <laughs> at to least a diet I admit that, that I'm a horrible monster. I am not completely at peace with it. I am fully aware and respectful of the fact that the meat on my plate comes at a price, that being the life of another animal. Just because I'm eating meat again doesn't mean I have to be an a-hole about it. Like I said earlier, I am still concerned about the well-being of animals. It's for this reason that I'm striving to be the conscious carnivore. I only eat meat from grass-fed animals that have it's been allowed to in the pasture, and the eggs I eat come from free-range chickens. This is from The Independent. One morning over breakfast, Holly Page looked at her daughter and realized things weren't right. 
Lizzie should have been flourishing. Instead, her cheeks were pinched, she was small for her age, and although she had skinny arms and legs, her belly was swollen. When Lizzie smiled, Paige noticed her upper front teeth were pitted with holes. By the way, um, vegans, man, look at pictures of, and this, like, vegans I have not, and look at pictures of vegans online. People have been doing it for a long time. It's the eyes. Okay, they, they look malnourished, and if they're teenagers doing a vegan diet, they're underdeveloped, they look like little kids. But, like, the eyes, man, the eyes look so sunken in. It's creepy. They look like they're, they look like walking corpses with those eyes. Anyway. I was horrified, recalls Paige. At the time, she was feeding them what she thought was the most nutritious diet possible. They had been raw vegans for three years and ate plenty of fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains, and pulses, but no meat, fish, or dairy. According to the raw food doctrine, Lizzie and Bertie, then three and four and a half years old, should have been brimming with good health. But Paige's mothering instinct was on the alert. Now, now, now your mother in instincts on the alert. Not when you put them on the starvation diet, but whatever. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put a finger on it, says Paige. They were two sizes behind in clothes. Of course, children come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes, but they had basically stopped growing? <laughs> I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger. Could it be the vegan diet? There were other oddities. I remember going to the supermarket and buying butter for my older children. Lizzie, the daughter, who had never had butter in her life, would grab it and gnaw into it, says Paige. It was really disconcerting. I was thinking, what's going on? Here is this perfectly fed child. Why would she need to do this? I was so brainwashed into thinking dairy products were bad for you. Oh, you know what's funny? Um, videos of uh, vegan parents trying to feed their vegan babies vegan food, and the babies is just like, no, I don't want it. Stop. You ever notice how, I mean, baby food these days, man, it's all like mashed vegetables and sugary stuff and little glass jars. You should just give your kids meat. Yeah. But people are always like, oh, babies just won't eat anything. Yeah, I wonder why. You're feeding them vegetables. <laughs> like, ugh. Like, a baby hasn't developed enough to, like, be like, Oh, I don't want to eat this, Dad. I want to eat this, Dad. All it knows is what its body is craving. You know? Like, you don't have... It's not like, oh, the vegetables are so good for the baby and the baby just doesn't want it because he's brainwashed. Like, no. No. <laughs> Uh, when she took the kids to their health visitor, she wasn't too concerned. Yeah, so the doctor said they were in the low weight range, but like, I mean, and I knew that children weren't growing. I, I could sense there was something wrong. <laughs> Finally, Paige stumbled across the answer in an old vitamin book. Although she has no medical confirmation, she believes the family had symptoms of vitamin D and protein deficiency. I felt like such an idiot. I got the information from a book I had sitting on my shelf for 20 years. <laughs> the discovery brought a swift end to her experience with veganism. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's... I, that's just... It's sad, but it's kind of funny to me. Like... How can you be that dumb? Your children are little skeletons and you're like... Something's not right here. Hmm... Last week, strict diets for children were questioned after a 12-year-old vegan girl was admitted to a Scottish hospital with rickets. Her spine resembled that of an 80-year-old woman's. Um. 
Ah, da 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 da. Let's see here. Here's my vegan diet almost killed me by uh one of those. Is it by was, George? <laughs> no, this is uh one. She's one of those ladies, uh, one of those like California girls who's trying to be an Instagram influencer. <laughs> I don't know if she's in California, but you know the type of person I'm talking about. Curled up in bed in her West Village apartment, shivering from cold and exhaustion, Jordan Younger tried to ignore the hunger pings as she counted down the hours until she could have a glass of green juice. Totally natural, by the way, throwing a bunch of vegetables into a blender. The then 23-year-old new school student, in the midst of a grueling month-long 800 calories per day juice cleanse, biggest, biggest scam ever, by the way, juice cleanse, you're just pumping sugar through your body, was truly suffering. Her lips were blue, her hair was falling out, her skin was blotchy, she hadn't had a period in six months due to extreme vitamin deficiency, but during that time she was busy saving face writing her blog The Blonde Vegan, in which she perkily chronicled her strict plant-based diet after building up 70,000 followers on Instagram. It stopped me, she says, from leading a normal life full of social activities and other interests. The five foot four native Californian, okay, she is a Californian girl, never mind, who was never skeletal but at her lightest was 105 pounds, recalls, I was the textbook example of orthorexic, defined as a righteous fixation on healthy eating, quote unquote healthy, unlike other disorders that focus isn't on losing weight but on only consuming specific foods considered to be healthy like nuts, raw fruits, and veggies. None of those are healthy. Interesting. Younger became vegan in her final year of college, not because of ethical reasons, but after experiencing abdominal issues. Probably from the grains, but that's just me. In the beginning, it was very cleansing and detoxing, and I had a rush of adrenaline and energy because my stomach problems seemed to be resolved. And then she found the high she'd been getting was replaced by feelings of fatigue. Her bloating and constipation issues returned, but she continued to follow a strict vegan regimen religiously posting about it online. As the months went on, she was in a catch-22. Her public profile hinged on her vegan identity, yet her choices were damaging her body. Often she felt so weak she had to work on her laptop computer from bed. Taking one yoga class would leave her drained for the whole day. Her turning point came in June of 2014, a year after she started the blog, when she confided in a friend about her lack of menstruation, a condition medically known as amenorrhea? Amenorrhea. I don't know. Jake, brief interrupting, uh, interruption to acknowledge the fact that we are entering our third hour of West Bros. Well, really, we just don't have a two-hour mark. I think up. calling it the third hour is a little misleading. Mm-hmm. We are entering the third hour. Anyway, what happened was she tried some meat and she had that experience of like her body going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, My body funny. was shut down like I was a peasant living in the uh, Irish potato famine. <laughs> Basically, it's a famine diet, man. It's a famine diet. Starvation diet. I have one final thing to present before we sign off for the day. This comes from the NZ Herald. In, 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 yeah, New Zealand? I don't know. NZ Herald. McDonald's order error leaves traumatized vegetarian in tears and vomiting. <laughs> From this month. Okay. From this month? Yes. A vegetarian has been left traumatized and vomiting after a McDonald's order error saw her eat a piece of meat for the first time in her life. Charlotte Sunshine's... Charlotte Sunshine's boyfriend ordered her a veggie deluxe meal from the fast food giant in Edinburgh on June 8th. There's a picture of her, by the way. Round woman. Maybe it's because vegan diets are high sugar diets. Hmm, interesting. Anyway. Crazy. 
Yeah, I've always said you will either get fat and malnourished, or you will get deadly skinny and malnourished. <laughs> you will you will definitely lose muscle. You might gain fat. You, you'll definitely gain visceral fat because you'll probably get insulin resistant anyway. After just one bite, she realized it wasn't a veggie patty. Instead, she had eaten chicken. Despite the words veggie burger being written on the cardboard box. There was way too much flavor. Following the realization, the 26-year-old started to vomit and was left in tears. Sunshine said she recognized his mysterious taste and frantically googled her regular meal's ingredients to find it doesn't contain the meat substitute. The 26-year-old tweeted McDonald's to express her anger, but was not happy with their apology and offer of a full refund. Her boyfriend made a two-hour round trip to be with her and provide moral support. Okay, Sunshine. I think Sunshine a little out of proportion. Sunshine says McDonald's response made her feel undervalued because her beliefs should be just as important as religious ones. Ma'am? Ma'am. Ma'am, you're in a McDonald's, ma'am. Like This is a McDonald's? You don't take your don't take your vegan anger out on the the dumb teenagers who messed your order up, okay? It's a McDonald's. I've just been... Here's uh, her tweets, by the way. I've just been on Google, and I think it's chicken, and I feel so sick, and I can't stop crying. I know this sounds ridiculous to other people, but please, trigger warning, vomit. I just throw up, and I'm petrified of vomiting, and I'm in eating disorder recovery, so I could not be more triggered right now. (laughs) She then said she she had a stomachache the next day after taking a bite of a chicken burger. A couple of days later, Sunshine said she was over her illness, but labeled the mistake... Dangerous and speculated she could have been hospitalized if she'd had an allergy to chicken. But you didn't have an allergy. Allergy. You just wanted to whine. When I knew it was chicken, all of a sudden I started to feel really sick within the space of a few minutes. Oh gosh, almost like it's completely in your head. Hmm, interesting. That's weird. You felt fun before then. I immediately burst into tears and I was physically sick. I was really hungry and looking forward to it. I took a bite into it and then when I swallowed, I realized this was not what I was expecting to bite into. As soon as I realized I froze, I messaged my boyfriend saying I'm really panicking. I asked him to check if they changed the veggie burger, but when I googled it and I saw they hadn't, it traumatized me. I actually got, oh, was, I actually got Calum to come and pick me up. C-A-L-U-M. That's, that's the guy's name. Okay. Because Calum I didn't want to... I didn't want to be on my own. I needed moral support. He was upset on my behalf too. It's dangerous. If you're mislabeling food, then it could be it could be something someone's allergic to. I mean, I, I know chicken's not a common allergy, but that's I never have eaten it. I, I could have been allergic to it. I could have been hospitalized. <laughs> the idea of eating a dead animal to me is so alien, and the lack of reaction from McDonald's has really upset me because it's a really important thing to it. They haven't taken it seriously enough. She seems really mentally unstable. Maybe I don't know. That could be from a lack of nutrients in your diet, but that's just a, that's just a theory. No, she's I don't, not I'm just she a guy on the internet. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, these people are deranged. They're deranged. They hate humanity. They're dying. They're sick. I just find it. I just you find know, it so funny how I read this article from George Divorce Gary from uh, twenty uh, from. Uh, 2007, 14 years ago, and he's talking about how horrible mediators are. 
and then I find out over a decade ago the man switched back to eating a meat. Turns out he realized you you kind of need to eat meat. Friends, Gary friends. Is- is the vegan Dvorsky and George is, is when he eats meat. <laughs> you finally earned the right to a real name. If you know people, if you know someone out there who's on the vegan diet, please talk to them. Uh, don't don't let them starve themselves. Don't let them don't let them abuse themselves. They talk about how they're against abuse to animals. Let's talk about abuse to your own body. Gosh dang it, come on. Why After do you all, hate George it's, says in this article an increasing number of studies started to point out the importance of meat protein and animal fat, not to mention the perils of soy, which was a staple for me. Vegan diets we have to are be supporting of George, you know, he's coming off a dangerous soy addiction, and you know, you don't blame you don't blame the addict. Vegan diets are self-harm. It's uh it's a it should be considered a mental dis- it should be considered an eating disorder, frankly. Like, obviously. That's an eating disorder, but don't. I, you kind of want to make fun of them for their stances, and, and yeah, they're goofy. But like, like I know kids who are on vegan diets, and it's hurting them. Like, this, it's serious, man. Like, it's serious. Talk to people. Come on. Yeah. Just yeah. Anyway, that's all. Uh, that's all I have. That's all I have. We, we can sign that's off. All. That's all for this episode of West Bros. I mean. I'd like to read more and find out if George still, you know, reads anything from Peter Kill Baby Singer. We can bookmark uh, that for next week, huh? Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll look into it. In the meantime, uh, the sun has set, but I believe it's still 90 degrees out. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, but uh, it's like it smells like a it smells like a night 70. in Mexico out there. It smells like a night in Mexico minus the delicious cooked meats from the taco place on the corner. When I was in Puerto, there was this uh, Al Pastor taco place around the corner from the hotel, and like you would sleep with you, 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 the way the hotel was set up. Like you'd sleep with like the windows open and the air conditioner going, just because it's miserable. But you could smell that taco place, man. Man, those were good smelling tacos. I won't lie. Well, I'm going to sign off, um, turn my fan on, and then probably get something to drink. Yeah, I'm dying over here. Okay, let's get out of here. Let's go! Let's go make a steak and go to the gym! Let's go! Yeah! Of course, I say go to the gym. It's a a plan of fitness, so as long as I stop short and just say go to the gym, it doesn't sound pathetic. So, anyway. Okay, bye. Tell him I said hi. Sadie Moonshine's got no love. She's nobody's turn-down. No one cares, no one cries, no one listens to her sighs. The way she looks, it's so bad, the laughing policeman, he's so sad. Sadie Moonshine's got no love, sop sop boo-hoo-hoo-wah. Sadie Moonshine's feeling glum, she's nobody's special chum. No one to squeeze and hold her tight, no one to keep her warm at night. Give her diamonds in a silver cup, but even this won't cheer her up. For Sadie Moonshine's got no